here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Craig alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanz. And Joe, this was a uh, fun little show to get off the ground tonight. I uh, Many times I did not think this was going to happen, and I still don't know if it's going to happen as we say this right now. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's going to hear this, so we could just say whatever the <laughs> fuck we want. I mean, you know, we don't have to be our usual professional selves. We could just uh, talk about whatever we feel like talking about, because uh, nobody might end up hearing this. Right, so... We can do whatever we want. Like, hour three is now hour one. Uh, female fake taxi. We'll get Star Kid ninety one in. Uh, what else do we have? Action Zone. That Action Zone tag. Uh, we have a giant list of like one of these days we will do that show where it's like we one day for some. I mean, this is like the, one of the lightest weeks we've had in, in, in quite a while. But there will be one week where there is literally nothing to talk about, and we will just go over everything that we haven't talked about for the last three years. So the urban wrestling review. Oh, of course, yeah. You've watched it, I'm sure, and, and, and are watching it on a weekly basis, just so you're ready whenever the time comes. Do they even, um, do they even run weekly? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I, I, I my Pokemon, My Pokemon Go review? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do people yeah. still play Pokemon Go? Uh, I'm very few. It, it's, it's definitely lost its uh, that, that lasted like a month, right? It did not last long at all. I don't see anybody um, talking about it or anything like that. Trying to get some uh, details on uh, the Urban Wrestling Federation for you right now. Um, it's not looking good. Their website is kind of a mess. Uh, let's see when the last time they updated their Facebook. That's usually a good indication. Uh, March 7th, they're still hanging around. So um, their recent update was when shit pops off, TV announcers get into an actual fist fight during the broadcast. So That sounds familiar. It sounds like... Uh... Julius Smokes. Oh, Julius Smokes is on commentary with uh, Sean Crioli. And Robbie Moreno. So sure, one of those cre- one of those combos gets in a fist fight, and I hope it's Julius Smoke. Sure, it's not Creole. I, I what do you mean Creole? Sure, it's not Creole. That might be Creole. Yeah, I got. Yeah, okay. C r e o l e. It is. Yeah. We can't pronounce anything go. around here. You know that. Well, I didn't know that it was it was a take on. I just thought that was his actual last name. I didn't know. Maybe it, it is Creole. I think it's Creole though. That's how you. Speak. You're probably right. Yeah, that's probably the gimmick he's going for. I, I don't have my audio on, but uh, Julia Smokes, as they're doing this, is like wiping his eyes. He either just woke up or is really high. So, <laughs> only one of the two scenarios. Wow. He, or he's bored out of his mind. Probably all three. So, um, at least he's getting work. He's got work. I mean, 
I am shocked that, yeah, Julius Smokes can get working in 2016. But that's, hey, good for him. But uh, anyway, yeah, this show might not happen, and who the hell knows. But uh, we have a little bit to cover today. Um, talk some New Japan Cup, the update, uh, as far as we know. Right now, uh, it's March 15th, so we're kind of going as we, uh, what we know so far, what's aired, uh, what we've watched, a little bit of the, the overall thoughts on the New Japan Cup as we go through the you know, final few days coming up pretty soon. Uh, we, of course, have Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show, a very good show that you and I both watched, and we'll talk a lot about that, a lot about the future of Ring of Honor, because there is some news coming out of this show, as, as there always seems to be with every week uh, with Ring of Honor, and it's usually not good news, and in this case, it's still not good news, but uh, we got that. I've got some other stuff, odds and ends stuff we wanted to do, too. Uh, there was a, a, a match on Progress Chapter 43 that we have been wanting to talk about for a while, and we're definitely going to get to it today. 100%, we have to get it to it today, so at least we can knock one thing off our giant list of things that we promised we're going to talk about and not... Uh, actually do. We also have some Wrestle 1 scoops uh, with a double Z, I would say, on that one. And then uh, any other odds and ends stuff that, that could come up. But that's going to be the primary uh, focus of the show tonight. And we might not go three hours because we've just spent the last hour and a half trying to uh, <laughs> troubleshoot technical issues to try to even get this show off the air, which might not even happen and you might not even hear. So uh, probably going to be a shorter show today anyway. But Rich, I, I commanded you to watch the uh, South Pacific Power Trip. Yes. Versus ring comp match. I made you watch it. Um, what, what I'm curious about, and we haven't talked about the match. I have no idea what you thought about it. What I'm curious is coming into the match, were you intimately familiar with either of the teams? I knew. Okay, so I knew uh, Axel Dieter a little bit. So I've seen a little bit of his stuff. Walter, I, I don't feel like I've seen all that much of because um, Dieter did a lot of single stuff prior, correct? Uh, he, or was he mostly like I, I'm still pretty I'm 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 playing a little bit of catch up. He's on, had a on fair that, share that of singles matches. I would say. okay. So I, I've seen so I definitely saw singles matches of him. I was just making sure not that for, it wasn't not out for progress necessarily, but he's but I've seen WXW and those sort of things. So I, I've definitely done that. Um, so I've seen him. Uh, as far as the other guys, no, I, I did not see any of the others. Oh, so you can't? Okay, this is this I came is, in very fresh. Yeah, I knew Peter a little bit, but the other guys I, I didn't know. This is what I was hoping for. And and as far as the, the these tag teams, you weren't really familiar with them. No, no. Because the reason I, I wanted you to watch this wasn't just because I thought it was a great match. And probably, as I look through my notes, probably the best tag team match I've seen this year. Unless I'm forgetting something obvious. I, I But I would say that it's the best tag match I've seen. Yeah, as far as this year so far, there really I don't know if there's been anything... From the tag end, that's really been that standout. So, no, I, I think that's probably fair. Straight up two versus two. Well, that's mm-hmm. enjoyed the match then. Yes, I did. Okay. I did. So, but, but what I'm mostly concerned with, because I knew it was a great match. What I was mostly concerned with was I was watching this match and I was thinking to myself, if someone had no idea who any of these men were or who either of these tag teams were, this, this match would almost – it was like a perfect template where you could not come out of this match – without a full understanding of who these people are, what they're all about, their personalities, their gimmicks, what they're good at. So I'm curious, is that how you came out of this? Do you, I mean, to me, this was the perfect South Pacific Power Trip introduction match, and the same thing for Ring Comp as well. Mm-hmm. So for someone who never saw either team, uh, do you now have a – coming out of this 15-minute match or whatever, do you now feel like you have a perfect grasp of what both of these teams are all about, or am I on another planet here? No, I, I don't think you are at all because that was actually one of my big takeaways when the match was over is I said, you know, I'm coming in. I, I know of Dieter. You know, I've heard the name. I've seen some matches here and there. I, I don't know any of the other guys, and I'm not really familiar with the other teams all that much. So I went in, of course, with an open mind, and I, I you know, not really knowing what, what the whole – 
deal was about. And then you, I think when it was all said and done, my initial thought when it was all over was, oh my God, Walter is like my favorite thing in the world after this match. Cause he was just, inc- I thought he was incredible in this match. Cause you, you get this and, and your point about, you know, not knowing anything about these guys and then coming away, knowing, you, you know, all you can need to know about these guys is, is encapsulated in Walter himself. I think he is the biggest representative of that because you see right off the bat, this is a big dude. He's bigger than the other guys. He's stronger than the other guys because they're bouncing off of him. They're doing a bunch of stuff. And he's just a power guy more than any of these other dudes. So you're seeing a lot of action where where he's, you know, choke slamming guys over the top rope, where he's he's doing one of my favorite spots in wrestling where the big guy hints that he's gonna do a, you know, something off the top rope, or he's gonna hint that he does something over, you know, jump out of the ring or do a tope or whatever, and the heel stops him and then they just do something, you know, really super powerful. And in this case, he was about to do it, and then you know he stopped. And I think I think it was TK Cooper, I forgot who it was exactly, that he just lifted and then he just pressed slammed over the ropes instead of, you know, doing a, a dive on his own. So I like that stuff. But no, I really went away, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess overall your point of, you know, when it's all said and done, you get the idea of all, all the, who these guys are, what they're all about, and you want to see more. I mean, that was my initial thought is, oh, my God. And, and it, particularly in ring comps um, uh, standpoint, I was like, oh, my God, this team is awesome and I need to see more. I have to see more right now because I came away just super impressed with them. T.K. Cooper and, and Travis Banks were fine as well, but I thought I got more out of what ring comp did. I saw the, the, the perfect dynamic of like the the smaller guy with the strong guy, you know, smaller guy with the big guy, the little bit more technical guy with just the bruiser. I love that interaction. I love teams that are like that, too. They seem to be very dynamic in that way where, where they're so different. But no, I, I think it was, if you walked into this like I did, not knowing who these teams were, you finished knowing exactly who does what, what their personalities are what the wrestling styles are what they're good at what they're bad at you know who's what was also cool too is they both come in as heels correct uh yeah yeah pretty sort of yes and and you can see sort of the way that they and that's that's smart wrestling as well is because ring comp realized pretty early on hey people are kind of cheering for us and they worked the rest of the match like you know i would say like baby faces they had some stuff here and there with it with their heels but at the end of the match you kind of got the idea that these guys played off the crowd a little bit and, and and played off the um, the momentum of the crowd cheering for them, even though they don't normally, you know, cheer for them. So I, yeah, I, I came away with it going, yeah, you, you, you know everything. And in 15 minutes, you got all these characters, their styles, their personalities, how they wrestle, all that sort of stuff. And that, that's impressive. I mean, that is a really big deal to do, and it's, it's not easy. People take it for granted how hard it is for, for you to just to jump into a match and then know who these guys are and what they're going to be and, and what their future holds and all that sort of. That, that's not easy to do to get over in a, in a 15 minute wrestling match. Well, you're not ever going to out heal. South Pacific power trip. In, no, that was in that's progress. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to do that. And and it, it, so yeah, it, it was the fans were naturally going to take their, and especially the way the match was built. And yeah, I agree that Walter was. Fa- I mean, this guy he came so off good. he came off like Big Van Vader in this match. Yeah, he was like that. I mean, he, how big is he really? I mean, he's not like a giant, but like in that ring, and and it it, it always it doesn't always matter like how big you are, you know, physically. If you if you can act big and wrestle big. It can really do a lot to really get that across because I'm looking up now. So he's six four three ten. That's very big still, but you know he's not like you know he's not this gigantic. I mean six four is big, he, but it's not. He big. has a unique he, body too. He's he's that's he's just big and barrel chested. Yeah, you know? and puffy he's, and yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's kind of built like Terry Gordy or or Morishima in, in a lot of ways, where he's not overly muscular or defined. He's just a big dude, you know, and he's thick. And um, yeah, I thought. On his side, he was the clear star, and I thought on the South Pacific Power Trip side, not only was T.K. Cooper the clear star in this match, I thought this was his coming out party. Um, Travis Banks is the guy that everybody recognizes, has all the upside, is the future star and all of those things. But in this match, there is – and, you know, 
and and and, and T.K. Cooper is, is is sort of the you know he brings the charisma to the act. Him and Dahlia right, right. Black with the sleaze ball thing, and um, but everyone pretty much concedes that Banks has the higher upside and is the better worker and all of those things. But this match, I thought Banks was clearly uh, the secondary member of the team, and this was the T.K. Cooper coming out party. Uh, I mean, just the way he flew around the ring for Walter. Walter beat the yeah, shit. Yeah, he made Walter look like a million bucks, he, yes, too. Yeah, he did. And he just bumped all over the place for this guy. And not only that, Rich, his mannerisms and his facial expressions when selling for Walter and just bewildered by the fact that he couldn't do a thing to this man. I mean, that is just, those were just perfect heel antics. I mean, he just – he. He reacted to Walter exactly how his character should have reacted to Walter in every way, shape, or form in this match. And then his performance was just so over-the-top great uh, with the way he bumped around. And you mentioned earlier a spot where you said you think it was Cooper that took the bit. I'm sure it was because he took every <laughs> Right, yeah. He just he, – he had a death wish here. And I just thought he was phenomenal. And I think Don- – That choke slam to the outside was, was sickening. That thought was just like, oh. God, like yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it just this was really his landmark performance. I always enjoy him as a character. I've never enjoyed him as much bell to bell, and a lot of it was bumping okay. and selling. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've never enjoyed him this much bell to bell because his bumping and selling was just ridiculous. Um, you know, it's usually Banks that is the standout bell to bell. It was not in this match. This was the this was a TK Cooper match. This was a TK Cooper and Walter match. I think the other two guys were kind of look. The other two guys were fine. But, it, mm-hmm. but but Walter and uh, yeah, I agree. Totally outshine their partners. Okay, there. that's definitely how I came away from the match. So, so it's interesting that you have the same same thought there. Yeah, and and I think um, as far as Dahlia Black goes, she's always good for at least one, usually one, which is smart. It's always well timed. It's always perfectly placed in the match. This is why I love this tag team because she's every bit as part of this tag team as as the two participants are. Because there's always she, there's always one big bump from her in every match. It's always so perfectly timed and so perfectly placed. This match was no exception. And then she played into the finish. I love the finish because these sleaze balls, despite the fact that they were physically dominated from bell to bell and had no answer for this brute and and his technically proficient partner, these sleaze balls still found a way to sleaze their way to victory. And I'm perfectly okay with it. In this, a lot of times that stuff bothers me. Not with this team, and not in this scenario. This is great storytelling from bell to bell. And Dahlia Black is. This is a. I'm sorry. This is not a tag team. This is a three-person team. She has. She. She adds so much to this act. And I know this is the only match you've seen, but it's always like this. And 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 to okay. to be honest, I'm interested to see more though. I mean, that, that's. I definitely came away interested to see a lot more of them. So. And they're coming to WrestleMania weekend, so I think a lot of people who have never been exposed to to this team will be at that point, and I, I'm confident that they'll kill it. Um, but. You know, it, 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 to be honest, she's usually a more prominent part. There's always the one big, and she, look, she always gets hers, and that's what's important because you know it, it, she interferes in the match, and she's a thorn in the side of these babyface teams. But then at some point during the closing stretch of these matches, she just gets murdered. I mean, and, and she takes these crazy bumps, or gets thrown from the top rope, or gets thrown from the apron, or gets power bombed off, whatever it is. But she's because of that, she's every bit as part of the act as, as the two members are. They all add something different to the unit, and uh, they're one of my favorite tag teams going right now. Look, I am the leader 
of the Gorillas of Destiny. I, I, I am, I am the conductor of the of the train of the Gorillas of Destiny train. Uh, I'm driving the bandwagon. I think those guys have been great since the fall. South Pacific Power Trip is right there. Those are probably my two favorite tag teams in wrestling right now. And I thought this performance by T.K. Cooper blew me away. He he's got all the other look. He he knows how to connect with the crowd. He's got tons of charisma. He's a tremendous heel. He's got you know the great valet and all those things. But this this match showed me that he can do different. I I had I I hadn't seen him work like this before. So that's what I was blown away by. And I wanted to get your – I was hoping that you weren't familiar with either team. I really was because I wanted to see what somebody thought who was coming into this blank and what they thought of all the people involved and what they thought of the two teams. Sounds like you really love the match. Sounds like you want to see more of of both of these teams. So And, you know, Rinkoff, you know, Timothy Thatcher is part of that group, you know, in, in Germany. And he – you know, it, it would seem like he would fit those guys like a glove. So, you know, that they might even bring out the best in him. But, um, but yeah, as far as South Pacific Power Trip goes, it, it, it's good to hear that this intrigued you uh, yeah. to seek out some more of their stuff. And it's really not. I mean, it's not a personal thing that, for why I don't watch you know, more WXW and more progress. It's just time. I mean, time is, is, is always an issue. And it's like, you know, we have so much that we have to watch here. And do, and again, we, like we talked, if I could just stop watching WWE, <laughs> I could stop doing it. I'd be fine. It'd be great. I could watch, you know, more progress and stuff. But unfortunately, the job, the, you know, quote unquote job kind of dictates we have certain things we have to cover. But uh, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to WrestleMania weekend of, of, of watching all these guys come. Um, of who is coming to the rest of the WWE Live, you know, experience or whatever shows going on uh, that weekend because it's gonna be cool because that's a, 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 I'm gonna be forced to then watch them that weekend. I have no other choice. That's what I'm doing that weekend. So it'll be good to kind of get more of a sample of them because I've I've seen some progress here and there. I've seen some WXW here and there. I just haven't been able to really sit down and and and, and do like you have and and so many other people have. And I'm jealous of them because I see people going through progress. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I watch this show. Like I'll watch my show here and there. I'll watch my matches here and there. But I just don't feel like I'm I'm jumping into all the chapters as much as I really want to and it's just great stuff going on in, in, in Europe it's just there's no time like I wish like if somebody again if somebody just wants to give us a lot of money I can do it full time and that would be great because I just don't have time to watch this stuff and it sucks because there's so much good stuff going out there in Europe especially I mean I, I feel like I'm just not doing enough you know watching of European wrestling and so much good stuff going on there and we talked about this weekend there was or this last weekend there was an awesome tournament WXW did their 16 carat and I'm reading through the results and I'm reading everybody re- you know watching it going oh my god this is awesome oh my god that's and I'm like ah oh, damn it like I just don't have time to do it any of this it's just i there needs to be 10 more hours in the day nope then I'd be nobody good. has time to watch it all you know you, i hate you, it it's awful. You just don't. and then like i maybe want to watch sports or maybe eat or like hang out with my wife like it's like there's no time to do any of this stuff yeah uh did you watch any other of this uh tropic thunder bastard i did not no I, I have not seen tropic thunder bastard i only watched actually you know what i watched um what match followed it directly i don't have it in it front was the of me thunder I watched... bastard match which oh i did watch that that was uh that was interesting <laughs> the, the problem the problem with that match for you is it was so storyline heavy, right? And I, I read, you know, I read, I read um, Ali's review of, I believe Ali did this, or, or Arnold, Furious Arnold did this. Arnold did this one, correct? Yeah, yeah, because it's and, and like that's what he said. He's like basically, if you if you know the stories and if you follow this company, you're gonna like this match. If you don't, it's just gonna kind of be a clusterfuck. And that's I kind of came away with going like, yeah, it's kind of a clusterfuck. So if you know, if you understood what was going on, I mean, this was booked just for comparison purposes. It's kind of like a. For people that don't know, it's kind of like a mini Royal Rumble uh, with, I don't know, what is there, like eight to ten guys in it or something like that. But, yeah, somewhere around But it's eight, not over the top. You know, it's pin and submission, pin or submission eliminations. 
Um, but it's a mini Royal Rumble in the sense that guys come in every few minutes or whatever, and then it's elimination style, and they tell a lot of stories within the match. But this was just this 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 was just booked so well. I mean, they had to, there so many stories came together from the uh, you know the origin stuff towards the end of the match. I think there were there were two or two, two at least two turns in the match, um, and then you had the uh, the stuff with uh, William Ever and Sebastian. Uh, which finally came to a head, which I think has breathed new life into William Ever, who was dead as a character. And then they, they did this Sebastian storyline with him. And Sebastian is just, you know, nobody, Sebastian, again, a, a, a very much a hated heel in progress. And, and um, he's got his deal with Jack Sexsmith going on. And uh, the William Ever stuff came to a head because Sebastian stole his spot in the match. And then, you know, and then you know, Seth Smith eliminates Sebastian. Then all the origin stuff at the end, which came to a head. And then, and then, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there that someone just dropping in is just going to be, you're not, it's, it's all going to be lost on you. I mean, you could see the crowd going ape shit for a lot of it, but that's, you know, it's, it's like a joke you're not in on, you know? And, right. and it's like, you know, you're, 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 you're hanging out with friends and there's an inside joke and you're the only one that doesn't know what's going on. I mean, you can chuckle along because you know something funny's happening, but you, you you still feel left out, you know. So, that's not the best match to jump in on. Absolutely not. I would not recommend jumping in on that match. So, um, you know. So, and then the you know the 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 main event too, the Jimmy Havoc Pete Dunn match, which you know I I expected Havoc to win because I expect Dunn to just wrap everything up at some point and go full time WWE. But then they do the bullshit finish where Trent Seven hops in the ring and they do the DQ finish and everybody boos and progress. They set everybody up perfectly because that was not the end is then they did the, uh, they had um, Mark Haskins who, who was teasing retirement and, and flash Morgan Webster return. And they did run-ins at the end to send everybody home happy. So, um, you know, when it comes to like Rich said, we would love to talk about this stuff more. I do watch every progress show. I think I've watched every show pretty much beginning to end skip it, you know, uh, strategically skipping a match here or there since about 20, I guess. And before Progress 20, you know, I, I, I used to watch all the, the, the key matches that people would recommend and, and bits and pieces. Um, so so I kind of know what's going on, and, and I do watch all of the big Rev Pro shows too. Progress is more it, – it, it's better booked, and there, it's more storyline heavy, whereas Rev Pro is more of like a super indie. Um, right. you know, they have their stories too, but they're more in the ring. They're more, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, I just, the best way I could put it, I guess, is more sports oriented storytelling in Rev Pro, where it's guys climbing the championship ladder and earning title shots and those sorts of things. Whereas progress is a very storyline heavy company. Um, the work is not always great. There's a lot of times, Rich, where I watch a progress show and I, I don't feel like I saw anything great in the ring, but yet I don't feel like I wasted my time because the shows are satisfying from the perspective of the, the, the storylines always move forward. There's always a surprise or two. Everybody's super fucking over. The crowds are hot. Yeah, I was going to say that the crowd is in the atmosphere is incredible for a progress show. If you, if you're listening to this and you've never seen progress at all, just, just watching 10 minutes of a show will make you see why it's so loved. Cause it's just, it's insane. The crowd and, and they do a perfect job. And, and we talked about this many, many moons ago when, when progress was first starting to kind of gain a little bit of prominence is from a branding standpoint and somebody who really likes like production style and, 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 and branding, they just do an incredible job. I mean, the ring looks perfect. Like the lighting is perfect. The style of, of, of how everybody looks and the style of the logo and the color scheme and just everything works. And like the pre, you know, the, the pre events, you know, intro from the owner that gets the crowd hyped. It's just everything that they do is just 
perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, the small the stand, stuff like, before the show. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It's just like the little things. They just get. They just nail every one of those little things. You know, as someone who lived through it and went to all the shows in real time, I see so many parallels between Progress and ECW. I mean, I, they're scary similar to me. Um, just the rapidness of the crowd. The idea that there's so many personalities in progress that are so mega over in progress that would just fail like a wet fart in a million other places, but it right. works in progress. You know, like like I just talked about, like characters like Sebastian and Jack Sexsmith, they wouldn't work in a lot of other places. They wouldn't work in most places. They work in progress. Um, you know, it, like I said. To me, progress is not – I would not call it a, like a work rate promotion or a promotion where you're consistently going to get these great matches from top to bottom even though the roster is is littered with great wrestlers. It's not – just like ECW. You know, it was not a place where you were getting but, – but for whatever reason, you'd come out of those ECW shows in real time and you were thoroughly satisfied because – they knew how to get everybody over and the storylines were great and the booking was tremendous and it was just the right place and time for ECW and it's the same thing here. And, and, and it sort of has that island of misfit toys feel to some extent like ECW did. Even some of the, 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 the characters here in progress, I, they have – like to me, Jimmy Havoc is the fucking Sandman. I mean he's Sandman. They they both have the same role role within their two companies, right? I mean, it's like, you know, Havoc is just you know this this guy who's mega over and everybody loves him. Look, he's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but at the same time, he's probably a little bit underrated, which is just like the Sandman. You know, he he had a lot of flaws, but at the same time, he has probably had more good matches than people want to admit. And 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 he just they both have the same kind of charisma and the same kind of aura. And, and um, you know, it, it's like go up and down the card. I mean, you look at a team like the London Riots, and I don't think they're any – look, they're not particularly over with me, and I don't think they're any good, and I kind of skip them a lot of the times. But they're over like crazy in that building, and they're very comparable to somebody like Public Enemy, who, again, they weren't the greatest team in the world, and they used a million shortcuts, and they actually wrestled a very similar style to London Riots. <laughs> but, it, yeah. but, it, but it's like but – they, but, they, but Public Enemy – and look, those two guys were just journeyman wrestlers. But they were over in that ECW arena. Mm-hmm. And then they got signed by WCW and flopped and then went to WWE and were there for two weeks and flopped again. Right. And it just, yeah, it, I mean, John, it never worked once you took him out of Johnny it. Johnny Grunge wasn't ever going to work anywhere else except that time and place. <laughs> I was going to say more Rock Rock. Rock Rock is well, like, well, see, you could. Rock Rock at least had, you know, was like the an indie guy for years on the East Coast. Sure, yeah. But once he got into that public enemy thing, it, it, he was like, I mean, because he would do that weird dance in like WCW and everybody just looked at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, he he was easily the more talented of the two. Though. Oh, no, no doubt. That. But I just think his little mannerisms as a member of public enemy probably killed him. But yeah, Grunge was not. Yeah, yeah. Johnny you're Grunge was right totally that. just like. Just a fat fucking. He was just, a, just... A, your typical below average indie guy. Yeah, below average northeastern nineties indie. Yeah, like, like like without ECW existing in that time and place, no one ever would have heard of Johnny Grunge, you know. And it's like, you know, he he had the the right partner at the right place at the right time with the right Booker. And it's like, I see a lot of parallels with London Riots with them, and and it's just I, up and down the card. I mean, I go on and on. I mean, we weren't planning on doing an hour of progress. No, but about yeah, no, we did a half hour. But no, I one of the things I really love about it too, and, and you mentioned the parallels to ECW, and this is you know growing up when I first watched ECW, and, and I'm sure you know you experienced the same thing. Is you when you watched ECW, there was nothing you wanted more in the world than to be in that crowd just once. 
you wanted to be there. And it didn't matter what the matches were, what was going on, what the main event was. I mean, yeah, ideally you want to see some decent stuff, but you just wanted to be there and just witness it one time and just drink it in one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. DCW, I never got to do that as a kid. It was one of my things. I was just like, man, like it would just be incredible to go there. And, you know, I went when they, you know, they came to Chicago once um, for Anarchy Rules 99, which I don't know why my mom let me go to that show. But anyways, that was a very odd uh, show and a lot of weird, that crowd was definitely very different than a WWE crowd at that point. But uh, it, it, like, I never got to go to the ECW arena that was one of my things it was just like man i just want to be there and you watch progress and and to be honest you watch a lot of the, the these european i mean i can even say the same thing for wxw when i watch their crowds and and even to a lesser extent ref pro but i think progress specifically you watch one of those shows and you want nothing more than when you're when that show's done and when that video's done to say damn i want to go there just once i just want to walk into that place just once you know what i mean like and i go to fun indies i do that sort of things but it just seems like a fucking party like everybody just has a good time they're chanting everyone's over everybody it's there's something about that crowd that just bands together and says we're just gonna have a fucking good time and that's what that is you know you're you're, it's it's amazing because my closing point after we talked about this tag match um was going to be that you know cork and hall i have to do that before I croak, I want to go to Japan and specifically I want to go to Cork and Hall and watch wrestling. And the other one on my list was Reseda, California for PWG, but I've replaced that with progress. I have, I, I, I for the reasons that you're saying, I, 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 I want to go to Europe. I want to be part of this progress. I just want to be there and not necessarily be part of the crowd, but experience, sit back and just experience that crowd and how they react to things. And, um, and, and yeah, so, um, I'm glad we got a, a, finally on sort of a light week. Uh, we had a chance to talk about, it. and it kind of worked out because we would have just squeezed in breaking down that match in the third hour or something, and did you know eight minutes on it or whatever. But um, you know, on a lighter week here, we were able to do a half yeah, hour on it, and, and and people have wanted us to talk about um, more European wrestling and in particular progress, and uh, you know, hopefully um, we can squeeze it in some more at some point. Absolutely. And for people that, that, that do want more of that, uh, we have the Brit Rest Roundtable on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, which is a great podcast, uh, hosted by Ali Court and uh, Arnold Furious. And they, they do a fantastic job breaking down. I mean, those those guys are European wrestling <laughs> at its core. I mean, they go to every show, uh, which is another thing I'm super jealous of, too. Like, I can't just go to, like, PWG. You know what I mean? Like, to, for me to go to PWG is a hassle. For me to go to AIW in Cleveland is a fucking hassle. But these dudes just hop on a train or do all this. Oh, now I'm in Germany. Oh, now I'm in Ireland. Oh, now I'm in England. I'm like, God damn I'm it. I'm so like, jealous when all these fuckers talk about going. Like, you have to drive five hours to even go to, like, you know what I mean? Like, and you drive five hours, you're still in the same state, and, like, you. what have you really gone? Where have you gone? What have you but done? But you know what, Rich? That we, we had that over the last ten years or so, and they didn't. You know, it was them jealous of us. And I mean, people in the United States when, when Ring of Honor was hot and true, you know, okay. and, and all these indies were at their peak over the last. But we couldn't go across. We couldn't go to all these different I, like the thing that I'm jealous of is that, that how easy it is to for them to just get. I mean, it's like a time thing. It's just a smaller yeah. you know country, a smaller area, smaller region, because if I drive six hours, I mean, I'm like kind of close to AIW in Cleveland. Like, cool. Yeah, like, you can't. You know what I mean? You like, can't hop in your car and go to PWG or Wrestle Circus. No, and I mean, like, I have guys, you know, there's the St. Louis crew, you know, Sean Sloan, who listens to the show all the time, Robin Clemens, all, all these guys, and Joey Bay, of course, and they'll drive, like, four or five hours to come to AEW, which they're coming this Friday, and, and I'll talk, I want to talk about that show before we get off the air, too, because that's an incredible show coming up this Friday, but, uh, like, they have to do that, and that's like, I, and then I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're going to drive back after this, and, like, that's like eight-hour trip 
for them to come just to see AEW in like the state over. That's it's just ah, I I just I'm so jealous when they just like hop on a train like oh now I'm in England or like oh now I'm here I'm like god damn it it's like one day I That's hear like, you well they were back in Electric Ballroom obviously a plane to get to Germany I, I know people are gonna say there's a oh, there's a baby between you know, what yeah I, I was I mystified <laughs> that you can go from like Ireland to like England and like without getting on a plane because there's like a body of water in between them. You know, this is like stupid American talk now because I I didn't realize that was it a tunnel or something. How do they do that? Uh, I do not well, know. They get out some kind of train or something. Just <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I don't know. And everybody now I, I can I can hear the tweets. One. I can hear yeah, the tweets just, the, in my head. I could, up. Yeah, I could just see. Oh, you idiots! Yeah, this is what they absolutely say. ignorant idiots. No question. Yes, about it. we know. We have never doubted that, and that has never been anything we've run from. So uh, let's get to Ring of Honor yeah, 50th yeah, anniversary. Right. Yeah. So that real quick though, I know. Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. They were right back in the electric bowling for old man yells at cloud. I I've seen people talking about it. I the last I checked, it wasn't available. Uh, Which is an incredible name for a show, by the way. Just, just wasn't that yeah. taking it? Wasn't that their shot at Meltzer? I believe. So. Uh, yeah, that was the one, I think. wasn't it? I could be confused. Um, but I think that was a shot at Meltzer for shot at somebody for sure, but <laughs> I don't know who exactly. Yeah. You're probably right. But uh, supposedly that show was incredible. Um, on paper, it looks really good. Um, so hopefully that's, I haven't checked the progress, uh, streaming gimmick in a, in a while. Hopefully it's up. Um, but, but supposedly that's an amazing show paying off a lot of stories that happened on 43. You've got the Sebastian versus William Ever match and then British strong style versus havoc Haskins and flash Morgan Webster in the main event. Uh, so on and so forth. So, um, and Dahlia Black wrestles on that show, and I'm spoiler free, so I'm gonna have to nice. uh, okay. check and see if uh, that show's available. But go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off there. Oh no, 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 you're fine. I was gonna, we're gonna get to the Ring of Honor 50th anniversary, but first, I want to let everybody know about our sponsor of this week's show, Dollar Shave Club. And Joe, it's no secret that we love Dollar Shave Club razors. You know, I always and you always get a very close, smooth shave, and you can't beat the convenience or the price. I used to choose between settling for a cheap bag of disposable razors, paying out of the notes for a razor with a laser pointer and 17 blades and all that other crap. I don't need that. I don't need that. Then Dollar Shave Club broke onto the scene with a smarter choice. As you know, as we know, and as any of the listeners who have uh, subscribed to the Dollar Shave Club, they know. Uh, before Dollar Shave Club, there was no middle ground. It was either save money and get a painful shave from disposable, like the ones they give away for free at the gym. Those are horrible. Don't do those. What are you doing? It's like shaving with glass. No more. Stop. It's over. No more. Dollar Shave Club is the best of both worlds. You get premium shave quality at the disposable shave price. If you haven't tried Dollar Shave Club yet, you are missing out. It's an amazing shave at an affordable price, and there is no smarter choice on the market. And right now, they're giving away a one-month trial of any of the razors. One-month trial, any of the razors, for $1 with free shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks per month. Uh, There's no long-term commitments, no hidden fees, and you can cancel whenever you want. So get your $1 trial at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com dot com slash voices to get your one dollar trial at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices all right so galvanize very quickly too the galvanize show which is the next show chapter 45 uh that's at, in manchester at the ritz um they've got pete dunn defending against jimmy havoc this time no disqualification i'd have to think a title change happens there look i'm not exactly the best guy to start breaking down progress uh booking but i think i have a decent enough feel for it that would be the time to do it. And then uh, Mustache Mountain defends the uh, tag shields against South Pacific Power Trip, earning that title shot off of the, uh, the win over Ring Comp that we just talked about. So that's what they have coming up in, on the 19th, uh, four days at, uh, from now as we record this. And that's going to be in Manchester, not in the Electric Ballroom. So uh, those are two of – there's a couple other matches announced, but the, the rest of the card is not announced yet. Um, but those are the two big title matches. You could see two title changes, although Rich – 
from what I understand, TK Cooper and Dahlia Black, something about their work visas or something are coming up, and they may have to oh. return to Australia for – I'm sorry, to uh, to New Zealand, the New Zealand-Australia territory for a while. Um, that's – you know what's been going on in the rumor mill with them they will be at wrestlemania weekend i know gabe announced them right uh they did yeah i saw i saw uh there there was a poster out and everything the whole team all three of them but yeah yeah all three will be i think cooper and black are having an issue with um where they're not going to be able to get back to europe for uh x amount of time i don't know i I don't know if that's been worked (laughs) out yet but i know they did um I know they, they, they put a video on YouTube hyping up their return to uh, New Zealand. So, or it was either a New Zealand or an Australian promotion. I, I forget. Um, either way, it's the same region. A lot of the same people work in both countries. But um, so, yeah, they're hyping up their return uh, there because I, I, I think there's going to be problems. Now, I don't know what would I, – look, I don't know how any of that stuff works, but um, I, I – I don't think there's any issue with them coming in a couple of weeks to WrestleMania weekend though. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Cause that's always an issue when you, when you see the booking, you know, outside talent or outside, you know, countries or whatever is visas, not necessarily getting in, but, but getting out. And well, I guess now <laughs> these days it, getting in might be a tricky too, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be uh finish to see, but I'm glad I, it seems like everything's pretty stable there. And we will, of course, uh, people are wondering, we are going to do, you, you know, a, a few weeks before we'll do our giant, massive WrestleMania preview uh, podcast once all the cards kind of stabilize as well because right now you're still getting people announcing and things and you know Gabe's got napkins all over the world <laughs> all over his his desk where he's trying to book this and do that and he's booking 10 shows and he's got so we'll, we'll do that definitely we'll give it a little bit more time but I we do want it to stabilize a little bit before we break down a lot of the shows because there's some good looking shows out there but it's just impossible right now to do it until we know exactly what's going on right now we just have a lot of names and a lot of names of shows but not necessarily all the talent so that that is coming just so oh, uh, anybody i knows. got but, the information here so it looks okay yeah go it ahead. looks like cooper and black's visa ends in mid 2017 and they did a uh the promotion mcw which is an australian promotion put oh out, yeah okay put out um a video uh, the, uh like a hype video that they're returning so it's something about um they can uh they can apply for a visa from the UK, but they do have to go home and wait for the visa to be approved before they can go back. So, um, yeah, I, I don't look, I, I obviously don't know how long that takes or how that works, but seems like a formality, I guess. Here's the thing. If they win the tag, if they win the, the tag shield deal, at, you know, on, on, at chapter 45, then chances are people think that, that there's, that this is a, just a non-issue and that they'll be able to come back, you know, shortly uh if they lose it could be a short-term like write-off maybe and maybe they disappear for the summer and then when they are able to come back they can bring them back with a big return or it could be a chance for travis banks to you know get a big singles push Mm -hmm. so that's a big result to keep an eye on just from that perspective if they win the match i don't expect them to be gone very long uh, real quick, before we get to Ring of Honor, I do want to talk about this AEW show that I'm going to Friday because this this card is just incredible. I don't know if you've if you've seen this. It features a match that that I I'm convinced was booked specifically for me, um, but we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, this is AEW Homecoming Friday. They're, they're back at the Berwyn Eagles Club, which they only run basically once a year now uh, at this point because they've really outgrown that venue. It's sold out already. Um, 
So it's going to be crazy there, and it's definitely going to be a fire hazard, but that's all right. I always stand by the back just in case, but uh, here's some. Here's just this card if you want to get an idea of what, what, what AEW is doing. And, and AEW, to be fair, you, you know, a lot of people mentioned, you know, a last year and, and for the year prior or whatever that, you know, they were booking a lot of the outside talent, a lot of the big names or whatever. Well, now more and more of those guys got scooped up by WWE or no longer available, you know, Chris Heroes and those sort of guys. So they've kind of had weather the storm of, of, of building some new guys as they're going. And, and you'll see from this card, like, it's a nice blend of, you know, newer guys that they've sort of had to to push through and a little bit of the older guys and it just shows you that that no matter what and we say this every single time we go oh my god the indies are dead like there are more than enough guys available on the indies to come up you can use on a show because you're gonna read i'm gonna read you the show and similar to that wrestle circus show that you mentioned a few weeks back or a few months back it's fine like you there's talent everywhere and there's always gonna be talent and new guys come every single time because one of these guys is now making his return to the indies so anyway uh here's this card here aw homecoming this friday uh, abyss versus homicide yeah, you know, it is what it is. But that's, I like homicide still, so that's fine. But uh, the besties in the world, uh, Davy Vega and Matt Fitchett versus Wentz and Xavier. And those are two guys. That's Xavier, of course, a uh, guy you saw at Wrestle Circus. Uh, those are two guys that they've built up um, as a tag team. And it'll be really cool because that's a, a tag tournament because um, Andrew Everett got hurt. So they're not doing uh, – they stripped Andrew Everett and uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on who the hell am I uh, – why am I? Oh, Trevor Lee, Andrew Evan and Trevor Lee, they, they stripped them of the titles. So they're doing a little micro tournament here. They were going to do the finals of the tournament on the show, but they've since bumped that back because another, another match got booked. But I'll get to that one in a little bit. But that's a fun little match there. And I, I'm interested to see if Wentz and, and, and Desmond Xavier, they can go all the way with those guys and maybe give them a tag title shot or even a tag title win because I think that'd be really cool. Uh, your favorite team in the world, OI4K, Oink, uh, versus the best friends, which is Trent and Chuck Taylor, which is a really great duo as well. So that's the other half of that uh, tag tournament. That I mentioned. So the winners of both those matches will then face each other uh, at the April show. Uh, how does this one work for you? Air Fox versus Shane Strickland. That sounds insane, Rich. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to you. Speaking of insane, ACH versus Pentagon or Penta L, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Uh, ACH versus Pentagon. That again. That's yeah. a pretty unique. Penta match. L. What is it? Zero M. Mierdo. I don't know. Uh, okay, I've got this straightened out. Okay, you got it. It's Pentagon Junior. Okay, <laughs> deal. I like it. Uh, speaking of, Drew Galloway versus Zima Ion. So Drew Galloway is a guy I mentioned that people go, oh my God, the Indies are dead. dead. Well, there's a guy that now is suddenly available again. And how long is he going to be available? Who knows? But he's available again. So you book him you know, on these shows again. So cool to see him back. Uh, Drew Galloway versus Zima Ion. Uh, Trevor Lee versus Ray Phoenix. How does that one work for you? Again, it's a very unique matchup. <laughs> um, you know, you don't have Andrew Everett, so you put Lee in sort of a single situation, right? And which um, is good for him. I think it'll be able to he'll be able to spread his wings because he really hasn't done that in AAW much. I don't know how much you've watched of it, but he's kind of been with Andrew Everett, which is not a bad thing. They're they're a fun little team, but it'll be nice to see Lee on his own because he's a very talented guy too. So it'll be. Nice I to saw see Trevor Lee. I saw Trevor Lee at the last Wrestle Circus show. I don't want to use the word carry. I think that's too strong, but. Um, I can't think of an of of a. Uh, I don't have my thesaurus in front of me, Rich. He carried Jack Dane to the best match I've ever seen Jack Dane have in his life. And I hate using the word carry because Jack Dane was very good in the match too, um, and, and in fact has improved a ton since the last time I had seen him regularly, especially since his New Japan days. But yeah, Trevor Lee is just a tremendous professional wrestler, and I think it's uh, it, it. You're right; it is a good chance for him to to do some singles in Chicago, and uh, that's a good opponent to get in there with. Absolutely. Now the match that I'm convinced was booked specifically for me, and the reason why that tag uh, tournament final has got bumped to the last show: Zack Saber Jr. versus Kyle O'Reilly. Wow. Unless if, if you put like Kushida and Okada in that same match, 
And and Yokozuna was the guest referee. That would be my ideal match in the history of the world. I, why Yokozuna? I've Wait, that's a, wacky, that's a wacky. That's a wacky match. Wait, say that match again. I'm just saying those are my four like my four favorite guys. And then my you know if I have to add a fifth there, you got Zack Saber, O'Reilly, Kushida, and Okada. And then uh, you have to resurrect uh, Yokozuna to have him be the referee. So would you do a tag match with Yokozuna? Uh, yeah, you know. Or would you do a four way? You don't like those four ways. I don't like the four. Maybe let's. Uh, do you want to do a six way scramble match? We can, we can throw uh, Brian Danielson in there. We can throw 2006. All right, Brian so Danielson Brian Danielson. <laughs> don't throw Kent in there. Okay, seven. Seven way scramble. You're, you're, you know, you're overbooking now. But I, so I'm, I, I know. I know. I know. You got, you got Kent. I should stick to current guys. I should stick to current guys, correct? You got Kenta, Brian Danielson, Yokozuna, yeah. Kushida, Kazuchika Okada, <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly. And yep. Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. in a seven-man scramble. Throw Mr. Perfect in there, too, while we're, while we're so doing So an eight-man scramble. <laughs> now you're including dead people in the match. Two dead. I was already including a dead. I had a dead That's referee. That's true. So. Yokozuna's dead. But they just have to sell on the floor because they're dead. So, they, you know, they just have to lay on the arena floor. They can't get, <laughs> you know, if we're really. Too smelly, though. They're very, they're very smelly, though. So why would you assume that they're because they're rotting carcasses? Is that, that that's yeah yeah that would be that's like a five hundred pound rotting carcass too. That yeah that's got to really smell that can't be pleasant. You know, there's photos of his open casket on 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 uh, the Google Rich if you want. Is there really? I'm I'm good. Because you can see his his open casket uh, body in in the uh, you know at the wake. You know, I a couple a couple weeks ago, I I, I spent at least three or four I don't want to know where this is going. I don't know how <laughs> I, don't I, I got I'm... into this loop. But this is the only reason I know that is because I spent like several hours in the middle of the night too. So all the little house settling noises were creeping me out because I was just checking out on the Google images, rich open caskets of celebrity dead people. And there's more than you would think on the Google of open caskets of dead celebrity. I, I just did the image search for Yokozuna and I'm, I, I really wish I had you found it's it. Right. Creepy. Yeah. It's, super it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really wish I hadn't done that. So. You're right, though. That's probably a pungent carcass because he's. Yeah, it looks it looks kind of smelly even then. He's so. a big guy, you know. Yeah. That's a lot of flesh to decompose. You know what I mean? This is the worst. This is a very it's... morbid. Okay, I'm talking about my favorite match. You know, see, the entire night. Of the I know you, this was happy go lucky. You're naming your favorite wrestlers, and this went down a very creepy road. But I'll tell you, just listen. X out of that because you're going to be tempted, like I was, to to look up other dead people. You're just gonna start putting names in there. And it's gonna, you're going to discover that there's way more open caskets of celebrities than you would think would exist, but they, they're out there, man. It's real freaky. Then you see these people dead, and you can't like see them the same anymore. So is X-A Regina Kyle O'Reilly? Hey. This sounds like a great match. And that's, you know, speaking back to your point, Kyle O'Reilly's another guy for at least for the mm-hmm. time being is going right. to be infiltrating these indies. And, uh, you know, along with a Galloway and, and, and Bobby Fish announced today mm-hmm. that as of the 27th of March, he's looking for indie bookings. And, you know, he's going to get booked everywhere. I mean, he's not going to have any problem getting bookings. So, yeah, I mean, look, you've got the guys coming up, uh, you know, uh, that we've talked about over the over the past couple months that are starting to get booked now. And then you have these guys, too. You're always going to have sort of these guys that are in between full time jobs or. Uh, have just burned out, whether it's with, you know, TNA just released a ton of people. So there's, some, right, exactly. you know, Matt Hardy's coming to Wrestle Circus this weekend. I'm not going to that show. I actually got free tickets to that show, but I'm not going. 
Um, it's by it's at the uh, South by Southwest Festival in Austin. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a pain in the ass with the parking. You know me. I'm fussy about that stuff. I want nothing to. That seems like your absolute least place you want to be in the South world. By South by Southwest <laughs> is the last place on earth I want to be. I mean, I, I know I sound. <laughs> That's one of those things. If that entire thing was happening in your front yard, you would shut the blinds. I would absolutely <laughs> shut the blinds if South by Southwest was in my backyard. But but I mean, yeah, but the car, I mean, you know, Matt Hardy versus Colt Cabana main event. I don't know, man. I'm not even going for free. So what does that tell you? But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, Matt Hardy back, you know, at least for the next couple months, Jeff Hardy. So, you know, it's, you know, you got it's cyclical. It always, yeah. it's always, cyclical. you got your Sandy Guevara's and your Kurt Stallions coming up and people like that. And they'll make names for themselves eventually. And uh, look, we were never all that concerned on this show. Um, so yeah, that's a heck of a main event. What else you got on that show? Uh, then the main event here. That's actually not the main event, sir. Oh, oh, wow. That's not rich. That's that could be a main event in any building in the country. In any building in the country. Sammy Callahan versus Loki is your main event. Oh, okay. Now look, I'm not a Callahan guy, and I'm starting to be. I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit more. So it, it, he, it, it's working for but me. But if he grabs Loki by Loki's hair that doesn't exist, right, and drags him around the arena, <laughs> well, that's definitely gonna happen. So. Why That's when I usually check out of a Sammy Callahan match. match. Yeah. Why does he do that? I mean, um, if he kept it to the ring and just wrestled, you can tolerate him, right? Yeah, it's just too much crowd brawling. It's just, and it's—I don't mind the crowd brawling. It's just it happens every single time, and that—that's when it gets monotonous. If it's like, okay, here we go, and like, you know, for when you're there live, it's kind of a pain in the ass too, because there's chairs all over the place, and you're standing up, and you know, you can't get back to where you sat, and you can't see it half the time because they're fighting on this and fighting on that or whatever. So, thankfully, I think it's a little bit—it's a little bit easier at 115, the, the the bigger venue they run to do sort of the crowd brawls. At Berwyn, it's packed in there. There's nowhere to really go. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep the crowd brawling to a minimum. And, and, and Callahan's fine when he keeps it in the ring, and, and he's not a bad brawler when he's outside the ring either. It's just I don't really – I just don't appreciate that style all that much. And when you see it every single main event, it gets boring. But I think Callahan's a great – heel heat, he's awesome at. He, he really does generate that, and especially against a guy like Loki, who everyone's going to be all on board with. So that that is going to be a fun match regardless of uh, what I think of Callahan as a wrestler. And, and, and I'm open to it. If it's in a match that's kept in the ring or, or kept slightly in the ring and is just kind of a brawl, which you can do a brawl without, you know – hitting each other against the, you know, the bar and, and, and being in the darkness for half the thing and people standing on chairs or whatever and doing all that sort of stuff. It, it's fine. It's, it's like, it's very similar to whenever, remember when Drew Galloway was doing his big crowd brawling thing in Evolve yes. and everybody, it, it just never got over because half the crowd can't see right. it and there would be the, I, you can't see shit chance and like, it, it's fine. Like even when you're watching on VOD and it's dark and it's just like, it doesn't work. And I, I know the concept and I know why they're doing it, but it just technically does not work unless there's a spotlight. It, WWE, it works. They can do it very easily. They can spotlight it. Everybody can see it on the jump trying to but if they're just brawling on the other side of the arena and you can't see anything what's the benefit you just hear a chair like you just hear like somebody getting whipped into chairs every four minutes it's like well what the hell is the point of that i don't care listen in 1995 i would happily follow shane douglas and raven around the ecw arena and watch them have their crowd brawl and brawl into the street and up on people's hoods of their cars and everything else in 2017, listen, Joel Anza doesn't have time for this shit. <laughs> He's not moving, okay, I'm not yeah. moving from my spot to follow these guys around. Right in San Antonio, Royal Rumble weekend, you know, I was there for that Matt Riddle, Chuck Taylor match, which everyone who watched on VOD said was the greatest fucking thing, you know, in the world. Meanwhile, I'm in the building and I had no appreciation for it because I couldn't see shit. I didn't see, I saw 15 seconds of that match when they finally got back into the ring for the finish. So I totally see what you're saying. You know, for the live experience, crowd brawls, they could hit the bricks. I have no interest in crowd brawls. I've been over crowd brawls for at least 20 years. 
I got tired of him in the ECW days. Because, again, you get tired of walking around following these guys around just to see what's going on. You know what I mean? I just want to stand in my spot and, 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 and watch a fucking – just keep it in the ring. Okay? That's all I ask. I, 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 got, I want nothing to do with the crowd brawls. But, uh, but yeah, but Loki, there's another example. This guy, I mean, if you can get him to pick up his phone – you know, you can book him for these shows, and, and he does a nice job. I tried to book Loki. I guess now it can be told since it's so long ago. Uh, you know this story, I think. Yes. No one else knows this story. I tried to book the man. I tried to book Loki. As everyone knows, he does voice acting. Okay, which he's, he's, But here's the problem. You go to Loki's voice acting website, right, where he has all these samples of his work and everything, and uh, there's no way to contact the man. There's no email address. There's a bad way to be a freelance uh, artist is to not have a contact. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going crazy. Look at the site. You can't. There's no email. There's no phone number. So he has all these great samples of his voice acting and everything. But you can't. There's no way to contact him to hire him. So anyway, I wanted to hire. He probably uses not to get really like deep into like the voice act, but there's a lot of ways where you can sort of pitch your own thing to people directly. So that you're not getting a thousand emails of shit that you don't really want. Like there, there's a forum that you go to. I know that from uh, uh from John, who I do the KMP show with, and he does that where, where they'll they'll post these jobs and you basically send in your resume and send in the things and they'll contact. It's just an easier way right. versus throwing your email on there and then idiots like you contacting him for podcast intros. Right. You know? So anyway, he was he. <laughs> right. I wanted to hire him to do the intro for Lanza Unfiltered, but. There was no way to contact him. So I got in touch with a bunch of different promoters that, you know, I happen to be, you know, at least somewhat decent terms with. And, um, you know, a couple of them passed on my information. I said, look, I just want, I want to give this man money. Could you tell this man I'm trying to give him money? All he has to do is read two lines of copy. That's all I want. Because I thought it would be kind of a funny, like, Easter egg sort of thing to have Loki doing my intro. Because the wrestling fans who listened would would – recognize his voice and they pop for it you know i just i just thought it was a stupid thing to do for the intro you know what i mean but i couldn't get him and then ironically enough i used who you were just i just used john who you were just talking about who did a tremendous job with it uh but he's not low-key damn it i wanted low he's not low-key no that is that is i wanted low-key's booming bass tones for my lands unfiltered intro uh but the man did i had a fistful of money rich the man did not want my money he never even got back to me but uh apparently he called dr keith back so that's good (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah definitely uh so that's aw homecoming on friday so definitely looking forward to that show on st patrick's day nonetheless at the Brown eagles club so that should be a uh, uh quite the uh event and show so anyway let's get to a ring of honor 15th anniversary of the pay-per-view uh from last friday uh, you and i have both watched the show uh overall thoughts uh before we kind of break it down match by match i thought it was a very good show one of the better <laughs> ring of honor pay-per-views i've seen in quite a while oh my god <laughs> who's dead is everybody alive i'm on mute keep talking Okay, every dog's alive. Okay, we're, we're good. Uh, anyway, well, I was, I, was, I was kicking it to you, so I guess I got to <laughs> let this on. But I thought the Ring of Honor 15th Anniversary pay-per-view was a, a very good show. Uh, Ring of Honor pay-per-views can tend to be hit or miss. There's some that are, are, are pretty solid. But as of late, the most recent history, they've been kind of hit or miss a lot of times. You'll get one or two really good matches. But I thought from top to bottom, uh, it's a very, very good show here. And there was you know, a few, and we'll mention those, a few kind of duds. But I think along the way, I appreciated just about everything on the show for what it was, and and, and really overall, I, I enjoyed it um, greatly. So, I, are your dogs alive now? Are you good? My dogs are fine, but now it sounds like someone broke into one of your windows. Uh, it sounds like glass broke in your house. What's going oh, on? Oh no, it's just uh, my lovely wife getting ice with the door open. Ah, gotcha. Okay. You, and you know, she did vow to be quiet before the show started. Uh, she did vow to be quiet. Yes. So I don't. Uh, that I, don't, I, don't I did. I you heard that, and I heard that as yeah, well. Yeah, I think we're gonna get a run in here in a minute because she knows you're talking about her. <laughs> 
But um, I would go one step further. I thought this was a great show. I would go beyond very good. I thought it was great. I thought it was one of the best pro wrestling shows of the year. Uh, When I can come away from a show and I've got at least four matches at four stars or higher, that's a great show, my friend. I didn't have anything below three. I thought um, everything was at minimum good. I thought everything worked. And there was only one slight thing that I was a little disappointed with. And that was the last 30 seconds of the show. Other than that. Oh, damn it. We agree then. Uh, I was coming here with my hot take that that kind of ruined the main event for me. But Me too. And why don't we damn just it. start with that match then? All Christopher right. Christopher Daniels finishing off his 15-year quest to win the Ring of Honor world title. And let me tell you something. If you're going to build this up for 15 fucking years and you're going to give this guy sort of the quote-unquote rocky run and build him up for the title and all of those things and he's going to defeat – a dastardly heel champion, the first ever three-time Ring of Honor world champion, a cocky motherfucker who who was very cocky during the match and taunting Christopher Daniels and dominating him and bloodying him up and, and talking shit to him. The story that you want to complete if you're going to do that story is Christopher Daniels valiantly coming from behind, winning the title, vanquishing the villain, celebrating on the baby face's shoulders. Uh, they brought out the old ring of honor title. That was cool. That was a great moment. They should bring that title back for good, by the way, because that's a great looking title. Um, but the problem is I didn't need the Kazarian shit muddling yeah. up this finish. And look, I get it. Yes. It made some sense from a storyline perspective. Now I disagree from the standpoint of, I think it's very annoying that now we're supposed to believe that Frankie Kazarian was just pretending to be a Bullet Club member this whole time, fighting other baby faces in the interim. Uh, and I, I hate that sort of thing. Well, here's the thing that I always hate about that story is because he comes out at the end. And it's like, if you really wanted to guarantee that your buddy was going to win the title, you would have come out in the first two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, you wait till seven, you know, kick out, you know, put 2.9 kick outs uh, till you decide, you know what? I am going to come down now. That's a good idea. You know, the referee got hit. Now's the time I want to come out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really going to tell that story that that he so badly did it because he wanted his, his buddy to win the title, then you don't wait, you know, 25 minutes into the match to decide that you're going to come in and, and help him. That's that's where the logic always kills me on those Sort of things when it's like if this is a grand master plan then just come out you know right away and, and don't let the guy almost lose like what happens if adam cole you know beats him you know 10 minutes in and it's like oh shit sorry and he goes to the back like hey dude and he's like oh sorry and I, I you know i was gonna let you have 25 minutes and then i was gonna come out and help but look these stories stink when guys I when guys it, yeah. pretend to be part of another crew and didn't he come to blows with christopher daniels at some point during the turn and all that too yeah he definitely hit his move on him one or two times so it's like i mean you know i it it, I, it, it it defies logic i mean i know you know we're trying to apply logic to pro wrestling again but is it too much to ask i mean I don't know. I just I don't like it. He wrestled matches as a member of the Bullet Club. I just I, I don't like it. And I think earlier in the night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't, hand in hand yeah, with them, yeah. yeah t- you know, basically, I know it was a six way or whatever it was, but, you know, working hand in hand with Hangman Page and winning the match, by the way. And, um, you know, it, it's look that the Christopher this Christopher Daniels story didn't need that. And it would have been better without that. Um, and it seems like we're on an island because I got a lot of kickback from people that night 
um, who said that they they enjoyed that and it, it worked perfect for the story. Maybe, but I thought the story stunk. Okay, yeah, I if you didn't like the story, then you're not going to like yeah. it. If you like the story, but but to me, the story that I liked and they told it throughout this entire night was Christopher Daniels. Just you, you know, this is his life. This is what he wanted, and they did such a good job. I thought you know I don't credit Ring of Honor a lot for their production because I think a lot of times their production kind of sucks. But they did the, the the intro video of this pay per view did a great job of doing the juxtaposition of Adam Cole, you know, laughing at Christopher Daniels. Hey, you know, in 1995 or whenever 93 when you started you know i was 10 i was you know five years old or whatever and you're an old fart and that sort of thing and then christopher daniels saying you know hey you're gonna one day adam you're gonna be old like me and you're gonna understand why i am the way i am right now because this is everything to me and you know he's he's coming to tears because it's like man like i want to validate my career i just this is the only thing i haven't been able to do and i've worked my ass off for for decades now and i've just never been able to do this and this is the thing i wanted to do that title was made for me the first night and i didn't do it and i never got there like that story is awesome and like you said to me that's the story i wanted i wanted the the validation of christopher daniels's career i wanted the validation of the guy that worked the first night uh to to get his title on his 15th anniversary show i wanted the validation of a guy that that you know has done so much for so many years and and i want just that just him win and people go yay Christopher Daniels won. That's it. Unfortunately, the story for a lot of people is, oh, Frankie Zarian helped him. And that's, I, it doesn't need that. Whether you like that story or not, I like the story of Christopher Daniels overcoming the odds and, and, and winning after 15 years of trying. This, this, that's a great story. This was a situation that really called for just a very simple story. A simple, predictable, sati- yet predictable yet satisfying story is all we needed here. Well, particularly where Adam Cole's going to. You know what right. I mean? Like, if it's really a guy that you have to protect and you can't, which is bullshit anyway. You can just have him the, beat him. The, the, argument, matter, but... the argument is, the counter argument is Kazarian did not interfere on Christopher Daniels' behalf. Uh, he simply, you know what I mean? Like he, he, no, but the optics are still exactly, there. He was in the ring that, when the referee was down and all agree. that sort of stuff. Yeah. It, 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 no, he didn't. And I'm glad they didn't go that step where he helped actually helped him. I'm glad that Daniels did three of the moonsaults or whatever to really drive it in. But still, you didn't need those optics of Kazarian getting in there and distracting Cole. I mean, that, that's essentially what he did. So yeah, whether or not, I mean, yeah, I, if you like the story, you like the story, but I just think it's a way better story if Daniels just wins. Absolutely. And years. it's predictable and all that, but it's, it's sometimes, the obvious predictable story in wrestling is the correct one. And this was a situation where I think it, it should have played out that way. And the match built perfectly for that moment. I mean, it was a perfect match to build to that simple, predictable finish. And instead they muddled it up. And look, if you wanted to reunite Kazarian and Daniels for sort of a feel good thing, there were other ways you could have achieved that without doing it between the bells. I mean, you know, you could have had Bullet Club attack Daniels after the match. I was going to say, do a beatdown, and then he, you know, Kaz, then helps him. Yeah, yeah, and then Kaz has, like, you know, uh, this, this, he feels bad well, for his friend. and, and Right, a change of heart a then, of as price. opposed to, yeah, right, where he's doing it, like, and they're telling him, come on, hit him, hit him, and he just goes, no, you know, fuck and you. And then, and then the crowd yeah. will pop huge for that. And then, exactly. And then they yeah, can I, hug, and then they can have this great moment, and that would have been much better. I mean, somebody give us a million dollars. I'm telling we just booked it much better, and we did it <laughs> right. off come the on. top of our heads in 15 seconds. Without talking about it before, because I had no idea what your thoughts were, and, and you didn't have any thought, idea of my thoughts. No, yeah, that I was, mean. That's exactly, I was thinking in my head of, of a perfect idea. Yeah, just like the Bullet Club comes down after the match, beats the shit out of him or whatever, and, and, and Kazarian's down there. Kaz or exactly, and then Kaz just goes, no, and then just, you know, yeah. yeah, I can't do it. I, this guy means too much to me, and then, yeah, and then after they they just, you know, get Bullet Club out of there, you can even have the whole Ring of Honor roster run down and, and, and knock Bullet Club out of there if you're worried about the optics of, you know, five guys uh, against two or whatever. You can have the other guy, the entire locker room run down and knock the Bullet Club out of there, and then they can have their celebration. Yeah, you... The Bullet Club's gone, and then all the guys do their celebration. Sure, That's... you milk it for a second where you don't know what cat where where the crowd where you know 
know Kaz is going to do the right thing, but you milk it for a few seconds. You know what I mean? And get the crowd all jazzed up. And then Kaz goes after the Bullet Club guys instead. And then at that moment, the rest of the locker room runs in. So it doesn't yeah, look exactly. like one guy beats up six guys. Yeah, you're absolutely Exactly. Right. Yeah, if you want that optics of, of, of not, you know, because they're taking out the Bullet then Club the by Briscoes themselves. Come the Briscoes in and everything. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, it, and then it's a big ROH moment where, hey, the Bullet Club's gone. or I mean, they're obviously not gone, but they're out of here. They're done. Go away. This is our time to celebrate. They're this is Ring of Honor's time to celebrate. They're walking away. And then you right. got the Briscoes putting them up on – you got the Briscoes and longtime uh, ROH stalwart Bully Ray putting Christopher Daniels up on their shoulders. And, and ROH lifer Leo Rush, you know, going, hey, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, but yeah, but that would have been a much better way to achieve it. Um, I did think, look, I don't think it ruined the match for me to where I, you know, it, this wasn't Daniel Bryan going on the stretcher at WrestleMania, what was that, 29, 30? What number one? That was 30. That was 30. Old XXX. Yeah, so it wasn't, you know, yeah. yeah. You're, you should have been your favorite WrestleMania. That's why you were just so disappointed. Triple X Mania, Porn Mania, okay? It wasn't Daniel Bryan going on the stretcher at Porn Mania, but uh, to where I thought the match was a dud, like a legitimate dud that's one of my least favorite matches of all time, but it did take the match down. It, it would have been, it went from a potentially great match to a, a really good match with an awful finish. Uh, but Daniels is your champion. I don't think obviously he's the long-term answer. He's a bit long in the tooth, Rich. I don't know if you've uh, noticed he's uh, pushing 50. Um, I still think he can go, but he's obviously not their long-term answer. The problem is they don't have a long-term answer on this roster. It may be punishment Martinez for all I know. Um, and I'm not even joking. Um, but, but yeah, no, that's, that's pretty sad. Cause you might be, I, I finally, I I'm in on, on, on punishment Martinez. It, finally. It's, it took it's a while a week longer than it took me, but I'm not in, uh, you're in, you're way in. It's a, it's a, it's a tad ironic, but I'm, le- okay. uh, but I am legitimately in. I, 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 he has, I can see it. I like, yes. I've maybe I've bought my ticket. I'm not on the train yet. I have other plans, but just in case I'm going to have my ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it, it, not there yet, but, you but can see what they the, see now. I can see it. Finally. Yes. I can see the train approaching and I, I, I'm, I, I see it now. Finally. Well, you know, I think this is a perfect cert because we can circle back to the top of the card and go run through the card now because that was the opener, the six way. It was not, oh. sir. All right. Well, let's do the six way and then do the <laughs> <laughs> Jay White, Kenny King. Come on. Let, let, let's hot takes. Uh, the, you well, don't have well, let's face it, Rich. This card was forty four ninety five, and nobody listening bought it. So we can just say <laughs> that the six way was the opener. Okay. So let's talk about the ROH world television. Number one contender six way which featured damien slash punisher slash punishment martinez. yeah what the fuck is it do we know yet uh according to cage match and dave Meltzer, it's damien martinez according to uh new japan pro wrestling it's punisher martinez and according to ring of honor wrestling it's punishment martinez i'm gonna go with ring of honor wrestling since they're booking the man and i think we need to get used to saying punishment martinez Okay. I kind of like Punisher Martinez better. I do too. Punishment Martinez doesn't make any damn sense. It, it so. doesn't roll off the tongue as smoothly. Uh, I'll tell you what is smooth. This man does Air Jordans, Rich. He does the ACH Air Jordans. That's, yeah, that's that's the exact moment. When I saw him step onto that second rope and I went, oh no. This, this guy dives over turnbuckles to the floor. This man does topes. This man does dives. Rich, this man is like six foot four, six foot five. Got to be 260, 270 pounds. And the weird thing is he doesn't look particularly coordinated during the meat of these matches. But then he busts out these flying moves that are as graceful as a cruiserweight. And at a man his size, it just looks so impressive. 
sometimes you see larger guys doing these wild moves and they don't look graceful. It looks fucking dangerous and it looks like they're going to murder someone. He looks graceful when he does this stuff. And it's like, I feel like he's a guy who just needs more ring time for, you know, your basic bell to bell stuff to look less awkward than it does. He needs to work on things like his presence. I think that he's not a guy I think is hopeless in that department. He just needs to learn how to express himself a little better and to get his charisma over a little bit better. Um, he's, he's a little green is what I'm getting at, but I see what they see. And, 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 you know, yeah, I'm very impressed by the flips with a Z, but there's, 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 you know, some of the power moves that he pulls off and, I, I see it, Rich. I, I, I... Yeah, I, I see a lot of, um, and, and I think you made this comp a little bit, but I see like a very, very rough like Lance Archer type in him eventually. He's not there yet, and he's going to do the flips. But you can see the little bit of the, the wildness, which is good. It, it's, you can use wildness to a benefit. Lance Archer is a perfect example of, of being able to do that. But but you get that same vibe of like a guy who can kind of move. He's big, but he can still move around. He's he, he's he's intimidating, but he can still kind of get up and and do some some flashy things here and there. You see it. You see the little bits. So it, it, it's he's moved up from like dollar store quiet storm, which I had him at a little bit, and I think he's a little bit better than that is is what I'm saying. But obviously, there's still gonna be plenty of time before he, he's a finished product but that's fine you know it's okay and and watching that life cycle in ring of honor will be pretty fun if they go the whole way with him and it looks like they they you know for better or for worse are i mean he's a big deal i want to annoy some people can i annoy some people uh well you usually doesn't stop you you have you ever asked yeah i mean you're gonna say no and i'm gonna do it anyway so I don't even okay know yeah I'm so asking. i don't know why you even ask so but i mean the you know i think the archer comp is good because remember archer when he was the seven foot tall ticked off texan in tna his big thing was he did a moonsault and for a man that size, it was impressive and all that. But the thing that always held him back in that company and uh, see in TNA, he was the guy who everyone was like, wow, this dude is huge. And he has a ton of potential, but he never really got there. And then he went to WWE and for some reason they cut his hair and they just stripped him down and um, that didn't work. And that wasn't all on him, but you know, a lot of that was on the company, but some of it was on him because he really found himself in new Japan in terms of expressing himself and, 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 and just uh, he really just found his personality and what works best for him in a wrestling ring in New Japan. Um, so I do think, you know, I do think that's a good that wasn't a comp that I made. You credited it to me. Uh, I don't know who made that Lance Archer. OK, comp. I wasn't sure if we talked about that last time, but but I, I see that vibe. in him. But, I, I don't know if it's just ring gear <laughs> and tattoos. But I, but I, I, I a see a little one. bit of the work. I do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. think it's, Just take it yourself since you can't remember. OK, you know, deal. It, it's your it's your comp now. But I do think that's a good comp. What I'm going to annoy people with is I see him as a better version of Baron Corbin. I mean, they, they, they have similar body types. They're similar size. But whereas I see Baron Corbin as this severely overrated guy who's just a guy. I th- Look, I don't think Baron Corbin's bad. I just think he's a guy. I don't see what people see, why people go crazy about Baron Corbin. I genuinely think if he didn't make clever tweets, he wouldn't have the reputation he has. I think some of that is, you know, has bled over the banter Corbin thing because in the ring, he couldn't be more of just a guy. He does nothing to impress me in the ring. You know, I think he's just a, a, um, a, uh, you know, one of these WWE training center conveyor belt guys who just is just a very basic in everything he does. I don't think he exudes any kind of special charisma. I don't, I think other people make him uh, carry him in it. I think if, if, if Callisto and, and Dolph Ziggler don't fly around for this guy, I mean, they do, you know, he wouldn't look even as average as he looks. Cause I don't even think he particularly looks good in those matches. He just looks like the other two guys are bouncing around and flying around for him. 
this Punisher Martinez, where I don't think he has the basics down as well as Corbin does yet, because he's very, he's green, like I said, but I see way more upside for this Punishment Martinez. And I do, I think Baron, look, the guy's already in his mid thirties. Okay. He had a, he had a career in the NFL. I think he is what he is. I don't think he's going to get much better. Um, I have no idea how old Martinez is, so I might look stupid if he's like 33, 34 years old. Yeah, let me let me find but, out before you look stupid. But, so. but I mean, either way, I I I see more upside. I see more potential growth for a guy like Martinez when he gets the basics down, and when he learns how to express himself. Because Corbin is like a, a personality void. He's got negative charisma to me. He's just a guy who, and, and I mean, and 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 I I don't know. I, I see more upside with Martinez. I think they're similar comps. I think. Corbin is a slightly more advanced because he's had the performance center time and all that. But I think Martinez has a much higher upside than, than a guy like Baron Corbin does. I can't, can't find his birthday, unfortunately, yeah, so right I now. Don't, I don't, I'll keep looking, but uh, yeah, we, we know nothing of, of his I know birthday, he's a Monster so. Factory guy, but... Um, yeah, that's as much as I know. He but. didn't win the match, but I, I was impressed with him. And Silas, Silas Young is a guy who's... He impressed me on the New Japan Tour, and he impressed me here. Um, cheeseburger is over as fuck. He always is. But the <laughs> yeah, problem yeah. with Cheeseburger is you can't do anything with him. It's you can't push him. You cannot. Push what him. they do is what they do with and, him. And, that's and, that's. It. And I think that's perfect. He's a yeah. I agree. He's a popular prelim guy. Ride the wave. Sell as many T-shirts as you can. The problem is you can't push him any harder than this. You just can't. Um. And and then Hangman Page and Sabin were kind of just there. Hangman Page always does the shooting star press off the apron. That's his big spot. It always looks good. And Kazarian won the match, which I guess, um, you know, I I, I don't know. I guess that makes him the number one contender for Marty Skrull. So that's the direction they're going there, which kind of looked, you know, at the time he was a bullet club member when he won the match, rich, I thought this was super fun. I mean, this was, nothing, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. This was nothing but spots, but I don't have a problem with that on this place in the card and with the people involved. No, I agree. And it should be. And that, that's, that was classic, you know, ring of honor openers or whatever ring of honor, you know, pay-per-view openers were, were just the, 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 a lot of times they were the mayhem matches or a lot of times they were just these, a lot of things happen in a short amount of time. And that's, that's what they should be. The crowd was hyped and everybody I think had a little bit of time to get whatever they needed to get over and get their personas over and get their characters over and get their moves over. So that's all you really want out of 10 minutes. And it was, it, it, it set the stage for what was uh, or the rest of the night being really great because yeah, it, you don't want a boring, you know, methodical, slow match to start the show. You know, go with go with, with the hot stuff. Go with go with something big. And yeah, I was I was all on board with this. So I I, I did like this match a lot. You know what people are gonna say, Rich? They're gonna say, ah, yeah, that, just because Punishment Martinez does some flips, and of course they're gonna spell it with a Z. Uh, that's why you like him, Baron and Baron Corbin. And you know what my answer to that's gonna be, Rich? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's why I <laughs> yeah. like him better because because he does things that are Correct. exciting and 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 things that a man his size shouldn't be doing. And Baron Corbin doesn't do those things. And Baron Corbin doesn't do anything else particularly well either. If Baron Corbin was some kind of super worker who didn't do flips, my opinion might be different. But to me, with the difference between these two guys is, yeah, one guy does things that look cool, and you know what? That's okay. Where did we? Why all of a sudden with wrestling fans is it a negative to do things that look cool? I never understood that. The man does things that look really fucking cool. And yes, that affects my opinion of people. You know what I mean? It's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, uh, the real opener, Jay White defeats Kenny King. Um, Look, this was a three-star match. You know, there is nothing extra to say here. The one thing I was worried about is I was worried King would go over because they're doing the undefeated. Believe it or not, Rich, they don't really mention it very often. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Jay White hasn't lost a match yet. They meant no, he really hasn't. They yeah. tend to mention it more on like the VODs than they do on TV and on their pay per views, which makes no sense. But he, they're doing an undefeated gimmick with him. I don't know where it's going. Maybe he'll be the guy to beat Marty Scurll. I don't know. Or maybe they'll build up to a match with Marty Scurll and he'll lose. I don't know. But I was afraid that King might win because preliminary fucking wrestler. I'm never going to get over that. I just love the fact that Jim Cornette called him a preliminary fucking wrestler. I, it's, <laughs> fucking too, yeah. I, it's, I think we had like an hour where we talked about that entire quote. He's like, a preliminary fucking wrestler. And that, the fucking part was And that's exactly part. what he is. I mean, I have nothing against Kenny King, but I mean, he would have no business beating Jay White here. So um, I have nothing else to add to this other than it. No. Yeah, that's that, it, fine. But yeah, it, it probably went a little too long. It was 10 minutes, which I, it was probably a little bit too much. But yeah, Jay White's great. So yeah, um, I uh, you know, so. Um, and then uh, match number three, Jay Lethal. Now, this is a number one contender for the world title. So Jay Lethal, it looks like, will be the first challenger or the first significant challenger because we're Ring of Honor. Who knows? You got these house shows and guys get title shots. But uh, Jay Lethal will be the first significant challenger for Christopher Daniels. He defeats Bobby Fish. I thought this was great. Um, I thought Fish brought out the best in Jay Lethal. I thought it was uh, just the right length. If this is Fish's going away, I don't know if he has any matches booked. He did a meaningless job in what appeared to be like a meaningless six-man at the television taping. So this could have been the Bobby Fish write-off. He teamed with Colt Cabana, Hanson, and Leo Rush. And they lost to Hangman Page, Jay Lethal, Jay White, and Silas Young. Rich, I don't know what's going on there. I didn't read spoilers for the tapings. I don't know if Hang is Hangman Page still in the Bullet Club. I don't know. Um, I didn't read the spoilers either. So that's I, a I, really I weird say. match. But uh, that you know, Fish loses in some weird eight man tag. He lost here to Lethal. That could be it for him. Um, if it is, I don't have a problem at all with the booking where you use a guy. He loses to Adam Cole in New York, and then he loses to Jay Lethal. Look, you do jobs on the way out, right? So if they knew he was going, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and I thought the match was excellent. Um, yeah. Did you think this match was as good as I did? Yeah, I, went, I really have nothing I else to add there. I went four and a quarter was, on this. Yeah, I probably would have gone a little bit less than that, maybe three and a half or so. But but I I, I liked it just as much, and I'm I'm a tough grader too, so you know that that's how you go. But you no, know, excellent match, and and yeah, when when coupled with the news, you know that we learned today about Bobby Fish on his way out, it was just yet another disappointing reality of what Ring of Honor is because it's just like. Man, oh man, like it's 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 tough right now. I mean, and the problem is we're going to talk about a guy here in a little bit in two matches who it seems like these guys they just they, they, you see it and it, it seems like you don't know what you have until it's gone and 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 that felt guys and that, that felt like a write off too now because Exactly, you right. Know, so, so and 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 Fish last week when he said, "Look, Red Dragon is not dead. We all should have read the tea leaves, right?" Cuz then a week later he's saying he's taking indie booking. So, mm-hmm. we're going to see Red Dragon pop up in some places. Yeah, it was it was a little disappointing because I almost was like part of me hoped that he won because it was like then it would had you know oh, then he's not going or he's not leaving and when I, when I saw him lose I was like hey well that's 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 Here, it I, here's what, I mean, here's, knew what, happening. here's what didn't make coming, sense though yeah. he had just lost to Adam Cole why is he in a number one contender match Yep <laughs> but I mean that's, that's well, I, I don't know if this I mean, was was this actually did they actually say because I, I I was listening to the commentary a little bit in the background but not necessarily were they saying that this was legitimately a number one contenders match because I it was yeah. I told you it was a top contenders match. I don't know if that necessarily meant it was a number one contenders match. I mean, I think they're pushing lethal as the next challenger. So, okay. Okay. So they did explicitly say it was a number one contenders. I I was never sure of that. I don't know if that was just the wording 
or uh, they call it a top contenders because it was like you know I thought that was similar to the special attraction that game books where it's just like all right, where they like, just you know, they have to they have to have a title for every match, it has to so. be something yeah so it has it, to be a top process you know a, a top you know contenders match even though it's not so I don't know did they explicitly I, I was not listening to the commentary but I don't, I, I don't know you know now did. that you mentioned it, I'm not positive either but I I I think well they did the TV tape and let me let me do a let's do a little spoiler here it's just so we don't sound like complete boobs which we've already done much through the show but let's let's see here because i know they have that's the, a weird uh, eight man with the adam cole not teaming with bullet club guys um i mean let's it, see night two tv well yeah they didn't do it at the tv taping yet so i i don't know yeah nothing nothing happened to the tv taping so i don't know if that actually wasn't the more contenders match but anyway go on uh next up was the roh six-man tag team titles tko ryan breaks his shin or injures his leg in, in some form i don't know what the exact injury was doing a moonsault to the outside where he smacked his leg against the guardrail it looked just as nasty as it sounds um they did not call an audible at that point they went with the planned finish of the kingdom retaining I enjoyed this. I always enjoy these Kingdom Six Mans more than I want to enjoy them because TKO Ryan and Vinny Marseglia just look so indie to me, and I don't want to enjoy them. But, you know, I tell you what, these matches, always they're always a lot of fun. Um, so, And this one was no exception. I thought this was a good showcase finally in Ring of Honor for the boys who I've seen wrestle several times down here in Texas. Um, they're, they're tiny, they're small, but they wrestle to their size, and they're very good. And they got a chance to shine here. They did the old Killer Beast switcheroo during this match. <laughs> yeah, Colt was screaming. That I enjoyed that. Colt was just like, "Come on, they switch." You know, speaking just... of which, Colt Cabana was awesome on this. Show. Yeah, he, he it was a little weird at first, but then about an hour or so in, he got it, and and then he was just money the rest of the way. And I thought Kevin Kelly and Ian Riccoboni stayed out of each other's. It, it would have been very easy for two guys who are play by play guys to step all over each other. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I think I thought they did step over each other a lot. Uh, on See, this we're going to disagree and, then because I thought they didn't, and I thought they stayed out of each other's way. And I really overall enjoyed the commentary, but go ahead. I did too. Yeah, I, th- I thought at the beginning, maybe the first hour, hour and a half, though, you saw Kevin Kelly not sure when he should jump in, not sure what job he should quite do. Ian was kind of reserved a little bit too, of not sure when Kelly was going to talk. I think they really got it together. And you know, the main event, I thought in particular, that they did it perfectly. And, and probably the last you know few matches, they got together pretty perfectly. I did find it a little awkward at the beginning, maybe the first hour, hour and a half, but I did think they stabilized it a little bit at the end. But I don't think it was quite as smooth as you're saying. I, there was there was quite a few times where I was just like yeah you know you kind of have this weird cringe where you can tell like both guys are trying to talk and like they're, they just had to stop at the same time or or talking over each other a little bit but I, I thought they did stabilize a little bit later which that is a lot harder to do than people think especially if you're used to doing one particular role or whatever right. like Kevin Kelly is Kevin Kelly is not used to like letting somebody else talk and then you know listening to what they say and then reacting to what they're saying or whatever he's the guy that directs the action and talks and, and, and leads the viewer and he wasn't in that role this time Ian was in that role so it was a little tough and you could tell Kelly had a little trouble, I thought, at the beginning, and then I thought stabilized towards the end. But there were, I thought, a, a, a few more moments than you did where they kind of stepped over each other. But I, towards the end, they definitely got it, though. I, and I, Ian definitely emerged as, as the guy. I think he's good. I would send Kevin Kelly pack, and I think he's I, – I, he doesn't – Yeah, redundant at this point. You've got Colt now. you got Colt. I think, you, look, I think you found your guy with Colt. I really do. I know they, they – you know, especially at the tapings, they like to rotate different people in there. I thought Alex Shelley does a nice job at the tapings from what I've heard. I thought Mark Briscoe did a nice job last week on the TV, but he's obviously not a guy you're going to want in your booth full-time. Um, you know, but but I I think Colt's your answer. I really do. I thought he was excellent. And I think uh, Rick Boney deserves to do this without the training wheels. I think they should send Kevin Kelly packing, just cut ties, 
Um, I, I didn't, you know, maybe they felt like, you know, on a big pay-per-view like this, they weren't ready to just unleash, especially if he had never worked with Colt Cabana. You got two new guys in the role. Maybe they wanted that stabilizing force there in the booth. I don't think they need it. You know, let the guy sink or swim. Uh, you know, just give the job to the fresh young guy, uh, the fresh voice. Let him uh, grow into the job the way he's going to grow into it. I, w- I would send Kelly Packin. Kelly doesn't like us anyway, so I might as well just say, you know, send Kelly Packin. Um, nothing personal against Kelly. I think he's doing an excellent job in New Japan now. I, th- I think he's, uh, you know, so from that perspective. But I just, I don't think he's needed here. Next up was Marty Skrull against Leo Rush for the television title. I thought this was awesome. My only critique would be that it went a little bit too long. I think um, this match reminded me a lot of um, some of the Johnny Gargano matches you would see on his indie run where he would be in the midst of having this great match that you were super into. But there'd be one kick out too many, or you know, one finisher kick out too many. Yeah, a little too long in the tooth. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that that was the, the Gargano like to a T. It was just like, ah man, just bring it home, buddy. And he wouldn't always like, got that, it. Sometimes like, his matches were just yeah. a little too long. That's what this reminded me of. I thought this went a little too long, but um, but yeah, I still thought it was great. I think uh, there are not many people in wrestling you count them on one hand who work to their gimmick the way Marty Skrull does. And and that's a credit to him. I know he works hard on it. Um, I know it's it's everything he does is by design, and it really comes through. There are so few people in wrestling that understand how to work to who they are and within their limitations and to what their character should do in certain situations as Marty Skrull. The guy is just – he's brilliant in that regard. Yeah, the the, part, the thing that kind of sucked for me with this match, and it, great match, by the way, but just knowing that, like, Leo Rush is out, out of the door, you, you know, did that hurt the match for you I a little mean, bit? We've kind of known that for weeks. We've hinted at it here. I've, I've flat out put it in uh, in in reviews that I've done. That, that I mean, Jesus, if you follow him on Twitter, you knew it, too. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it was it, no it, secret. And, and it's like, you know, and, and, you know, it's like the Bobby Fish, okay, the Bobby Fish is 40 years old, you st- I still wouldn't want to lose a guy like that because he's he's like Bobby Fish is like a glue guy. You know, you can do anything with Bobby Fish. You can use him to put people over. You know he's going to have good matches. You can put him in title programs and he's credible. You can pair him up with someone in a tag team. You know, he's the classic glue guy that that every roster needs and that's a lot. But with Leo Rush what we what we're having is just this pattern again. Dijak, ACH, Cedric Alexander go right down the list. And now Leo Rush where they have these guys and they just never realize their full potential in this company. And they either wait their contracts out and go do something better or they, they get frustrated and they want out. And, you know, Leo Rush has maturity issues himself. We all know he posted that, yeah. oh, yeah. that video online that he shouldn't have posted. It was indefensible. He, he had no defense. He came off like a petulant child in that whole thing. And if people don't know what we're talking about, he posted a match. Wasn't it an SCI match or an Empire match or something? Uh, one of the two. Yeah, I forgot exactly which it, one it was. It, but... I think it was his SCI match. And, and he asked the promoter for a copy of the match, um, which indie wrestlers do all the time. They want to watch film. You know, they want to they watch their matches back. That's, you know, that's understandable. I mean, I know veteran wrestlers who watch every match. They, they ask us, hey, is this match from Japan up yet? I want to watch. You know what I mean? So, you know, good wrestlers study themselves. Um, and, you know, so the promoter told him explicitly and posted the DMs at the time. He said, look, I'll give you the matches. Promise me, you know, we're trying to sell this thing. Don't don't put it online. And the kid told him, no, I won't do that to you. I just want to watch it for my own. Per- 
a half hour later, he uploaded the thing. <laughs> right. And then when the promoter called him out on it, he was just very immature and petulant, like a petulant child. Like, well, it's my match. I'm going to do what I want. Like, he's just, come on, grow up. You know what I mean? Like, grow up. That's, that's not the way to do business. That guy's never going to book him again. That guy's friends are never going to book him again. And it's like, look, long term, is it going to look if Leo Rush is going to be a star? He's going to be a star. But it's like you don't want to build. You don't want to have that reputation. It's going to make things harder for yourself. And a guy I mentioned earlier in the show uh, who had those problems, you know, when he was early in his career was Sammy Guevara. That guy got blacklisted in Texas. for He lost two years of his career for being immature. And he lost. You know, he could have been breaking out two years ago instead of 2017. But, you know, he basically got blacklisted and couldn't get booked anywhere because he was immature. And, and you hate to see guys do this. So I, so long story not so short here, I don't know what's going on with Leo Rush. I don't know if he, he brings that sort of immature attitude to the Ring of Honor locker room or I don't know if – but we heard rumblings that he was long gone almost from the second he got there. Which Yeah, it seemed like he signed his contract, walked in, and said, ah, And sucks. then we were hearing, oh, Leo Rush is on his way out. And I'm like, wait, he just got there. <laughs> just, yeah, he's been there for two so weeks. So it's like I, I don't know what's going on, but that's not a good sign at all. You know, you know, and again, it may be he might have every bit as much to do with it. I, I don't know, but – it's just another young talent just slipping through the cracks. Yeah, and 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 the thing that's most damning about those two is is it, it seems to happen every single time too. Is like their last match or two in Ring of Honor, they're so good, and it's just like man, like that's what you've had for a year and two years, whatever. Like you remember, it, it happened with almost every single one of these guys. The last match that they have, or the last big you know publicized match they have in Ring of Honor, it's always so great, and it's just like damn it. Like, and this was one of those ones. It's like. This dude's so good. Like he was neck and neck with Marty Scroll, who's one of the best in the world right now. And like, and you, it just shows you the talent that Leo Rush has. And it's just like you've had this guy for a year and you've done nothing, and now he's done. And you saw everything that he was worth in that match, and he's on his way out. And that just seems to be a constant thing with his company. It's just like, oh my god, look how great that match was. Oh, he's leaving. Okay, fine. So like, what, you know so what I mean? This like, is what I said earlier. Like, who do they have left besides Punishment Martinez? With any sort of upside long term, yeah, that's under that's under thirty and signed more than a six month deal. Yeah, and um, Jay White doesn't belong to them. And no, because they'll pull Jay White back whenever they. Yeah, need Jay White doesn't belong to them, so you can't say uh, Marty Squirrel has a six month out in his contract. And let's face it, that guy's WWE bound. Same thing for Willow Spray. Okay, well, he's not the he's not a long term answer. He can get you through a year or two if you can convince him to sign or whatever. But that guy's WWE bound. Who is Ring of Honor's answer? Yeah. I mean, if if Donovan Dijak and ACH and Cedric Alexander and all of these guys were still around, those are guys obviously with huge upside as well. But they weren't knocking on the. You could have, you could have enticed guys like that with a three year deal a year ago, and then built around them for those three years, and then at that point concede that they're going to move on. That's the thing. Lock these guys up before they're knocking on the door, and then do. You had ACH for three years. You could have built a three-year story arc for that kid, and 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 then you know when that time was up and he wanted to move on, you have him put the next. You have him put Donovan Dijak. Right. It, it it shouldn't be a barrier because people bring it up so often. Like, oh well, he's 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 not going to be there forever. He's going to go. That's fine. If you get two years out of a guy, if you get a year out of a guy, use that fucking year to its it max. Do everything you Absolutely. can. It seems like so often now in wrestling, and it seems and it's not just a Ring of Honor. It's a lot of companies where it seems like once they know a guy is not long term, they just don't put any effort into him. And it's like you can do a lot with a guy in six months or whatever. You can do a lot of. I mean, Gabe Sapolsky, you know. 
for better or for worse, is a guy that always, no matter what, whoever Ring of Honor had, if it was Takeshi Morishima for six months, he was going to make the best fucking story he could in six or seven months with Takeshi Morishima. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's what he, it wasn't the, oh, well, you know, he's going to be gone in, in, in April, so why even bother? It's like, well, no, like, I got this guy for six months. Let's fucking do this. Let's go. Like, and, and we're talking about three years. Arc and off you go. That's, that's right. And then he does. loses. Exactly. But people, it, it, it seems now more than ever, it's just like, these guys, it's just this defeatist attitude. Like, ah, well, he's going to go to WWE eventually, so why even bother building around him? Like, well, no, build him and then use him to get your next guy. Like, because like, now Ring of Honor is at a point. And, and, and again, it's not just Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor is the example we're talking about now. It's just like they're at a point now where nobody can lose to build anybody up. Nobody can, go, you know what I mean? Like, these guys go away. They walk away. They say, ah, I didn't get these opportunities. They go do other things. And, and you've done nothing. Nobody's benefited from their run. Nobody, those guys didn't benefit. Nobody benefited. There's not next in the line. They, they've stopped that. That's just over now. And then it's, it's not good. Look, it needs to be that constant guys like ACH and, and, uh, look, and, and um, and Cedric Alexander were, were close to f- complete packages when they got guys like that and you could have done something long term with them Dijak I might be able to give him a break because he's a guy who came out of their school correct and he didn't look good at first and you know by the time he looked like a prospect he probably wanted out maybe you give but look you can't give him a pass for all these guys you know and it's like maybe they're doing something maybe they have a a plan for Jay White and they know what finite amount of time they have with them. I don't know, you know, but it just seems, do you have any confidence? So how can you have any confidence that that's what they're doing? Well, and then you watch the top prospect tournament. Well, then you watch the top prospect tournament and then you have absolutely zero confidence. Holy shit. How bad is that? I don't know about, I I think Kingpin could, could main event the 16th anniversary. You know, I see Kingpin one week and I'm like, (laughs) what the fuck is this idiot doing? Why would you ever put Kingpin on your TV? Number one. Why would you put Kingpin on your wrestling show? Like, it, honestly, if I went to an indie and they booked Kingpin, I would look at them. I'm like, telling you. And I'm not talking like AEW King, like like indie. I'm talking like VFW Hall indies, like like VFW street. Hall indies. I would be like, ah, really? Like that's the guy you decided to, to book? Like, I mean, and then the next week they top it with <laughs> who? What were those guys' names? The 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 goofy manager, who, uh, Preston Quinn, and then uh, what the hell's the manager's name? Preston uh, Quinn. I mean, look. <laughs> He's like 45. Maybe years he's old. a nice guy. Okay. I'm sure he's great. But again, sure. if I'm Ring of Honor, you cannot allow that man on your television. He debuted in 1996. You cannot allow that man on your television. They should have done the story that. Honestly, he debuted right around with Christopher Daniels. Did. You could tell the same fucking story with Preston Quinn. I've buried them for putting Beer City Bruiser on their TV. And Beer City Bruiser. Preston Quinn's the worst. Those yeah, guys like... are like multiple times worse than beer city bruiser in terms of why would you embarrass you you put guys like that on your television and it's just it's humiliating i'd be embarrassed how can you put those guys on your tv what are you doing and that manager with the w sign what was that guy was there anything worse than that manager my god This can't be true. Is this true? The winner um, was his name. The winner, but I can't remember. Andy Vanderberg. Yeah, I don't forget. Andy Vanderberg. There it is. Andy okay. Vanberg or Andy Vanderberg. Or... <laughs> so I'm, I'm on Preston Quinn's uh, cage match, and <laughs> they list three wrestlers that he trained. Probably retired. <laughs> just, you cannot be. Okay. You cannot be in a top prospect tournament in 2017 if you trained wasted youth. Oh my god, wasted youth! Damian Wayne, he trained Damian. He trained Wayne. Damian Wayne. Damian, Damian Wayne's on his way out the door. 
<laughs> you cannot be in a top prospect tournament. Oh. You cannot. If you trained Damian Wayne and wasted youth, you are not who allowed. Who the fuck is wasted youth? I don't even know who that is. Oh, oh you're, you, thinking you, of, you're thinking of reckless youth. No, no, I'm thinking of wasted. I don't know. Youth. Wasted, I, I know I wasted, know youth. wasted youth. Yeah, I know him from like really shitty like ER. Like I used to play Extreme Warfare Revenge. That and he would be like a guy that you could hire for like a dollar. He, I don't know if he's wrestled any in, in quite a while. He's also he also trained Cameo. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that's the uh, the funk band or the funk group Cameo. Oh, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, okay, so Cameo began her in ring career in 1998. Wow. And she was trained by CWU Anderson, Sanjay Dutt. Sean Denny, Phil Brown, and 2017 pro- top prospect Preston. Clay. I mean, so. this guy has trained people who are on the verge of retirement. <laughs> I think Wasted Youth has retired. But the thing is, he he look again. This isn't, you know, we're joking around, and uh, you know, but it's like this guy is not someone who belongs on national television. And neither was Andy Van Berg, the winner. I mean, you just it's it, or Kingpin. <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got a prospect problem here, and these are the guys you're putting on TV. It's 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 embarrassing to me. I, I it's I'd be humiliated. I mean, I'd be I wouldn't you know I don't know I don't know what they're I gotta thinking. find out who the, I gotta find out who the kingpin is. And this uh, is basically let's face it, this is pay to play. These guys are paying for the seminar, and they're they're giving them you know part of the deals. They they put them on TV. I, I oh. do you know who the kingpin uh, had a part in training? I would love to know. The boss, Sasha Banks. How about that? Look at that. So Kingpin's a New England guy. Yes. Oh, so Kingpin knows, uh, you know, uh, he probably knows, what's his name? Uh, Brutal Bob. He's probably a Brutal Bob guy. These are all Brutal Bob guys. (laughs) I mean, you know, which is another part of the problem. You know, it's. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's. You can't put. and, and, And how bad did Kingpin look? (laughs) <laughs> so at least Preston Quinn, you know, he went out there and he had himself yes. a two-star match. Okay, Kingpin wrestled every bit as bad as he looked, and you put that on your television, on your national television. You devoted television time to Kingpin and call it prospect. I mean, don't use the word if you want to just have him come in as like a job guy or whatever, but do not in any way, shape, or form call him a prospect. Listen. I, and have a win. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'd use Kingpin as a jobber. I'm not even sure um, I'd put that man on my television as a jobber. Yeah. I even yeah. I, I have a higher standard for my jobbers than Kingpin. <laughs> I real I'm serious. I mean, this isn't 1986. There's just higher standards now. You can't get away with that. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. Uh, he debuted in 2001, by the way. In case you're curious, so I don't. I, I I'm not sure Case Low, our very own Case Low, was even born yet. But there you go. So he absolutely was. That's. that's... Not very mean to me, but uh, that's that's Kingpin. Okay. Oh boy. Well, that was a, a diversion. <laughs> uh, now we're on the six man tag: Bully Ray and the Briscoes defeating War Machine and Davy Boy Smith Jr. What'd you think of this one? Uh, much like the Jay White Kenny King match, I thought it was fine. I thought it was uh, you know a three star match, totally inoffensive, and I'll never think about it again. But yeah, that's but it was fine. Um, they were put in a tough position here because obviously Lance Lance Hoyt slash Archer were supposed to work his show. I think they were going to do Killer Elite Squad. Briscoes was the original plan. Um, then Bully Ray gets signed and shows up at the New York show. So they made do. You know, they stuck Davy Boy Smith Jr., who was already booked. You had to do something with him, um, you know, or pay him to stay home, one or the other. Uh, so they stuck him with War Machine. I did like that Kevin Kelly acknowledged that these men are in, you know, do not get along in New Japan. I like that they recognize the continuity there. 
Um, and yeah, it was just a match. So it, I, it's a bad break for Davy Boy Smith Jr. It's obviously a bad break for Lance Hoyt slash Archer. Um, this was something, you know, Wrestle Circus did something similar with Davy Boy Smith Jr. He was supposed to team with Archer there, and he didn't have a partner, so they just stuck him with Carson. Uh, but how Wrestle Circus got out of it is they ended up breaking up during their match, and now they're in a singles feud. So they creatively booked themselves out of that. Ring of Honor didn't do much. I mean, I guess he brawled with War Machine after this match, but doesn't he have to have a partner to feud with War Machine? So maybe they're going to pair Davy Boy Smith Jr. up with somebody else, or maybe we're just supposed to forget that this ever happened. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was just a match. Now, we could talk about signing Bully Ray. Um, look, I'm not a bit. Look, we, we, we were very. Because we're going to talk about the Hardy match next, so we might as well do this. The Hardys, we were on record. This was a good landing spot for them, and I think it's good for Ring of Honor to have the Hardys. It's obvious the Hardys are WWE bound. They took the medicals. If they clear the medicals, they're showing up at WrestleMania. And with the New Day all over the WrestleMania show 19 different times doing the you know the goofy host gimmick, you would think that that's a perfect spot to debut the Hardys as a surprise and have 60,000 people chanting delete, maybe put them in a program with New Day. Maybe they have another idea for him. Who knows? I think if the Hardys pass those medicals, they're popping up at WrestleMania. But for the short term, I think this is a good idea for Ring of Honor to get whatever they can out of the Hardys. I know you agree. In terms of Bully Ray, I got to be honest. I have no use for Bully Ray personally. I don't care about Bully Ray. He sort of has the go-away heat thing with me. I don't care to watch him do any much of anything. I don't understand why he has to cut a promo before every match. It drives me nuts. Um, but – I could kind of see why they'd bring him in. I mean, you know, maybe they think he sells some tickets. Um, I, look, I wouldn't have brought him in. I, you know, it doesn't answer. It doesn't solve their problems at all. The problem I have with the biggest problem I have with Bully Ray is if they stop using him as a mid Carter and they're tempted to push him, mm-hmm. that would be terrible. Uh, what do you and have people always bring up the TNA run, the TNA, the t- and that's fine, and that was a great run, but that that might have just been a one-time thing. You know what I mean? Like it might not. Like people assume that if you just put him in a main event and have him be a heel and do it, like it's going to work again. I, I don't know. I mean, those I think those were very rare circumstances that got Bully Ray to become that sort of guy, and and a lot of stuff that the TNA had to do right to get him to that time, level. I just don't know. Time, place, and circumstances are everything, and that yeah, I just that don't did... like people have this idea that like he's just this unlocked you know wonder, and it's like maybe, but he might just also suck, you know, like yeah. just... might just not be any good. I mean, most of his career wasn't very good, and it's like yeah, he had this one year, or whatever, a year and a half or whatever that he was great. Like the, the assumption that he just immediately can turn that switch on and be that great again. And, and that, that, that character is going to be that great, even though it, it, it doesn't have the build that it does. But yeah. I, I don't know. Like it, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm open to it, but yeah, Bully Ray has never done much for me either. And I, it, it seems like a weird spot for him and ring of honor right now, but they're also your, if they're doing they're it also, to get some retweets and whatever, yeah, and and that's a all bit of attention for, and yeah. whatnot. That's they're also, that's they're what your new six man tag team champions uh, because they did beat the kingdom the next night at the tapings with Silas young substituting for TK Orion. So, um, there you have it. But those titles, I mean, they don't really mean a ton of anything. I don't have a problem with that. Necessarily. I don't have a big problem with that. The Briscoes are becoming the king of the six-man titles, though, huh? You know, they, they win the uh, IW – no, not the IW, the Never version in New Never, Japan yes. and now these versions. But then we had the uh, the three-way with the Hardys um, uh, defending the tag team titles that they won in New York against Rapongi Vice and the Young Bucks. 
I thought this was great. This was an awesome plunder match. Uh, not quite as good as the Ladder Wars uh, match with uh, with Motor City Machine Guns, the Bucks, and uh, the Addiction, uh, but uh, very close. Um, I thought the standout for me, and I tweeted about this, is I think Trent Beretta has been on fire this year. I think he's been... In most of the big matches he's had, he's been the best wrestler, the best performer in every match that he's been in, going all the way back to Wrestle Kingdom. And that was no exception here. Rich, I feel like the pre-show, uh, you know, I feel like when these six guys sat down and laid out this match before the show, I feel like it went something like this. I feel like someone said, hey, uh, who wants to go through a table? And Trent was like, I'll do it. And then it was, <laughs> hey, who wants to put tacks in their mouth and get super, I'll do it. Hey, who wants to get power bombed or and uh, and take a pile driver on top of them? I'll do it. I feel like Trent just decided. You know what? Yeah, that was. I thought that was interesting because it didn't make any sense to me because Trent's usually not that guy, but he was just like every big spot in this match. I'm like, all right, well, you know, and you assume like they're setting up the thumbtacks, and I'm like, oh, poor Jeff Hardy, and then it's like, oh wait, no, it's Trent. Like, oh, here come the thumbtacks again. Poor, oh, it's Trent again. Okay, there's the table. Trent, like, what the fuck? Like, I, it was very strange. It's just not what you assume that. Trent would ever be because he's never really done that. No, and I mean, you know, he took a power bomb on the ramp and bounced up about four. Did you see that spot? I rewatched that oh, about nineteen yeah. times. Then you know he's getting super kicked with the tacks in the mouth. He's taking thumbtack spots. He's going through tables. It seemed like every giant bump in this match was Trent. I mean, he's just been working his ass off. Uh, he's having an excellent low key year because you know it, it's tag matches and. It's uh, matches that are a little bit under the radar, but I, I thought he was the clear standout in this match in a match with a bunch of guys who worked hard and did some crazy things. He was still the clear standout. I think he took the damn fall, too. This guy's a, <laughs> I think you're right. yeah. this guy's a masochist. I'm did he get put through the table? Yeah, I think yeah. He Hardy did fall. put him through the table. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Yeah. The table and he took the fall. You know, and Rocky takes all the falls in New Japan. I guess he was, you know, doing his pal of He's like, look, I got you tonight. I'm doing everything tonight, okay? I'm going to be the one limping out of here tonight. And he took the fall. But, yeah, look, this was a great plunder match. I think I had a four and a quarter, four and a half, somewhere in that range. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's a good way. Everyone says that Matt is super banged up and can't do much. This is a great way to hide him um, in, in matches like this. So, again, I have no problem with the Hardys here. They're not my cup of tea. I just told everybody that even though I have free tickets to a show, he's the reason he's a big reason why I'm not going to a show that I have free tickets for. I'm not into the delete thing. I'm not into the broken thing. I just, I have no interest, but I, I concede that this is a great spot for him in this company short term until they pop up in WWE. Did you like this match as much as I did? I did. Yeah. I thought it, I, I've seen better plunder matches probably, you know, in, in recent history. So I, I don't think it's quite like that one that I'm going to tell people like go out of your way to watch it. You have to see it or whatever. Like you're saying, there, there's better ones even a few months ago, but I, I did enjoy it too. And I thought it was a good cap to be the semi main event of this thing. And it still had its, its, its fair share of crazy spots or whatever. And, and I thought they didn't necessarily have to kill each other to get stuff over and there, there to be really fun spots. Like even I loved Rocky Romero putting on the, you know, the thumbtacked, you know, uh, wrist guard and then doing the forever clothesline. Yeah. Like that was really cool. Yeah. And there was just a lot of cool stuff throughout this match. It was, it was a fun match more than anything, not necessarily like this blood feud or, or, or things like that, but a really fun match. And, and I thought in general, yeah, you, you know, I, I won't say that like you have to see it like your year is not complete unless you've seen this match. But, you know, it, it, 
it's a very, very good match. And we're kind of putting down a match that I probably would give four stars, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it was very good. I, so. I'm not putting it, I, I'm not putting it down at all. I, I loved it. I, like I said, I think it's just a notch below the ladder wars, which I did love and which, yeah, no, that, that, that would be the match that you cannot, you know, you have to see, like, you, I will yeah. not accept that you can watch wrestling, you know, uh, you know, in this year or even last year or whatever, and not, not have seen that match or whatever, but yeah, so I agree. Yeah, so overall, I mean, I thought it was a great show. I thought it was one of the better pro wrestling shows this year. Um, if not for the shitty finish in the main event, who knows? You know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I had, like I said, I had three or four matches over four stars here. I don't think those matches peaked as high as those four Wrestle Kingdom matches did. Um, you know, so I, I can't say it was as good a show as Wrestle Kingdom because it wasn't. Um, but as far as other shows I've seen this year, right there with any other show I've seen this year and probably better. Um, in, in my opinion, um, you know, but like you, I'm real hyped to see this WXW stuff, man. I can't stop thinking about it because everyone is saying that, that all three nights were just, you know, phenomenal. So, uh, we got to find a way to watch that, but uh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we will. Maybe next week on the show, we can talk about it because there's not a whole lot going on right now, but, um, I want to talk a little bit about the new Japan cup here so we only have a little bit of here but i, I don't have a ton in <laughs> japan cup um we will talk about one match specifically though and that's tomohiro yishi and kenny omega first round matchup uh from the 12th this is one that you cannot finish your year of 2017 without watching because this was incredible this was an amazing amazing this match. is also you know you have to go out of your way to see this because this is a match that rich rated higher than i did and you, really and oh you boy. never see that wow and i loved it but you gave it four and three quarters I did. I, I really. Did. I went four and a half. I think it was an epic match. I think it's a must see match. It was, look. It was another classic match. It was a classic match. That's exactly what it was. Um, you know, but you liked it even more than I did. And for you to give a match four and three quarters, I mean, you know, you, you're the guy who will rant and rave about how great a match is, and then you'll be like, ah, I gave it three and a quarter. <laughs> if you give something four and three quarters, you this is a contender for you for your match of the year. I mean, so um, I will let you have the floor first. Yeah, no, I just thought uh, things I really loved about the match is I thought, you, you know, stand out to me. And a lot of people came away with this match going, oh, my God, Tomohiro she's amazing. He's the best or whatever. We don't give him enough credit, which, which I absolutely agree. But I thought Kenny Omega, to me, was more of the standout wrestler in this match. And that's not taking anything away from Ishii. I just thought Omega, like, from, from the moment he enters the ring, that man just owns that crowd, that ring. The TV, the screen you're watching, he's just, you cannot take your eyes off of anything Kenny Omega does. He's so good at just the little things, every movement that he makes, every bump even that he takes. It, it, it's just like these little subtle things that he does. There was one bump where he, you know, he, he flew across the ring and he grabbed onto the ropes. And it was like this symbolic thing where, like, he didn't want to be flat on the, his back flat on the, 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 the mat, he didn't want to seem like he was too vulnerable, so he kind of grabs onto the ropes, and he's, like, bringing himself up via the ropes or whatever. Like, that's a thing that, like, I would never have thought of, but, like, he just did that. He, he took a bump and, and made an extra flip so that he could get himself up using the ropes and not get himself up a little bit normal, also get away from Ishii. Like, just little stuff like that. It, it created just... distance, and it, and it was... Exactly, and that's and you know that that was something he thought of, and that's the thing with Kenny Omega, and that's why people go, like, I'll read reviews, and they go, oh, Kenny was just, he was just doing this, he's just doing shit to do shit, and da-da-da. You have... Dick, dude overthinks every fucking step that he takes in the ring. The guy, that, he's a legitimate genius when it comes to He's a genius in the ring. So, like, this idea that, like, oh, he's just doing this, or, oh, he's just... 
I, I, I promise you that anything that he does in a match, he knows what he's doing. He cares about. It's not, you know, even short of like he, when he dodges a clothesline, he does like that one knee skid thing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just different. It's just unique and different. Everything, every movement that he does in the ring is just like unlike anything you see from any other wrestlers. Right. And again, I, I, it's not listless. It's not, it's not just doing things to do things. He, he's doing it intently. There's always an intent to it. There's always a reason behind what he does. And I thought... In this match, particularly, just every offensive move that he had, every even taking bumps, like everything that he does, just has purpose and meaning and and, and feel, and you just cannot take your eyes off of it the entire time. And I think his offense is just so innovative. He just does stuff a little bit different than normal, and it it, it just takes that little bit that, that that really just sets the stage. And he's got so many you know different moves that he can bust out, and and, and so many different little variations of moves that he can do. That every every match with Kenny Omega just feels a little bit different. And this one again, this felt so much different than the the Okada match. It was not same as the Okada match. That was. You know, this was less of a show off Kenny Omega and more of a Kenny Omega working a little bit from behind of, okay, well, Ishii's, you know, a big, strong dude. I can't chop him. I can't do a lot of things that I would like to do. So I got to, you know, get a little bit, you know, dodgy. I got to kind of run away from him. I got to, you know, avoid the lariats. I cannot get hit by a shoulder block, that sort of stuff, which which was cool. And you saw him sort of run away sometimes, but it was all creative and it was all all done real well. So I, I, I yeah, I, I really loved just Omega's offense in this match. And and in general, I just thought Ishii w- w- was fantastic too. And I'm not putting him over enough, I, 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 which isn't by intent because I think you're going to put it way, him way over. But no, I thought awesome. Uh, losing some of the atmosphere that you would have maybe from a big G1 or, or, or even a Wrestle Kingdom. And that's a big deal for me. So that's why I don't think it would be better than Okada and Omega for me. And I don't think it's going to be a match of the year for me because the atmosphere isn't quite there. But it, I mean, this match had everything that you would love. And it's just had so many little things that... That you know, I, I understand where some people might miss those things, but if you're really into these guys and you're into the company and and you really watch it with purpose, I, I think you'll see how important everything that those guys were doing in that match too. And it might just appear to be guys trading moves, but it's it's so much more than that. I I completely yeah I completely disagree. I don't think this was guys trading moves at all. There was um, a lot of psychology here that I'll get into. Um, yeah, but you really nailed it with Omega. The guy's just great, and this was two of the best wrestlers in the world in a main event. And the thing about Ishii is everyone knows how great he is, right? Like, I, I don't think there's uh, a savvy wrestling fan who doesn't think that this guy everyone, – everyone knows he's great. But it's weird because I still think he's underrated. I still don't think he gets – despite the fact that he's pretty much one of these guys who people universally accept as being a great wrestler – I don't think he gets enough credit for how great he is. I, I don't think anyone sells the way Ishii sells and puts over the idea of progressive damage the way that he does. And I, I've gone on long rants about that before. Um, very passionate rant after the Naito match last year, which I thought um, was Ishii's um, sort of benchmark performance from a selling perspective was that Naito match. I think that was one of the best singular pro wrestling performances of 2016. I think that was the, you know, if you're going to do a career retrospective of Tomohiro Ishii and say, this guy sells better than anybody in his era, that's the match you would point to and say, and go watch this as the proof, was that Naito match. In this Omega match, where, where this was different was, I thought this was Ishii at his best as an offensive wrestler. Yeah. He was pulling shit off in this match that I did not think he was capable of. Rich, he did a top rope hurricane runner. <laughs> right. Need we say more? Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii, this bowling ball of a man, he did a top rope hurricane runner with Kenny Omega. And I don't know whose idea that was. I can tell you this. And the other move, which had me making this, what, 
when when he when Kenny put him up for that one winged angel, and Ishii res- reversed it in midair into a cutter stunner, whatever you want to call it, ace crusher, whatever you want to call that move. When he reversed it in midair into a cutter, noises came out of my body and out of my mouth. That I, I, Rich, I, I jumped off my couch with my hands on my head, and, and I just, I, I don't know. It wasn't a scream. It wasn't a cheer. It was, it was like involuntary. I was just like, what the fuck did I just see? I couldn't believe what I just saw. Ishii did things in this match that I didn't think he was capable of and that he's never done before. And I got to tell you, I don't know who gets the credit. Something tells me, though, that Kenny Omega, and I'll tell you what tipped me off to this. Remember he did that interview with Dave Meltzer and, and uh, Brian Alvarez, the one where he worked the shit out of them and everybody else right. and convinced the – I'm not picking on them. I don't know if I'm going back to New Japan, but all the matches I want coming up are all guys that are in New Japan. Thank you. Yeah, he, yeah, names, yeah. He, names, he names Hiroshi Tanahashi, right. Tomohiro Ishii, and Kota Ibushi, I think. Are yeah, what do you want to do this year? Well, I'd really like to wrestle these guys, and all these guys work in New Japan. And, and, <laughs> but and, I don't know if I'm going back. And so. referring to New Japan as we. Yeah. And, I mean, right. there were just – you know, I think I, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but as a former pretty heavy poker player, there were so many tells in that interview where it was so obvious to me, despite the fact that we were told he wasn't going anywhere, despite the fact that there were front office people in New Japan telling us he ain't going anywhere. Guys, he's, we have him booked. You know what I mean? If, if, even if we hadn't known that, there were so many tells in that interview that he was going nowhere. But what, the thing that I, that I – so I'm not really picking on Dave because he fooled everybody, almost everybody. He didn't fool us. But, but again, mentioning Ishii as one of the guys he specifically wanted to wrestle, Rich, that tells me he may have known about this match and knew that this was his first round opponent in this in this tournament, or he may have lobbied for this match. But either way, I think he, I think Kenny Omega had a million ideas for this match, and like you sort of alluded to earlier, and we saw them play out. The guy's a pro wrestling genius, and Tomohiro Ishii is one of the best pro wrestlers in the world, probably one of the ten best pro wrestlers in the world, and I may be undershooting that. He may be one of the five best pro wrestlers in the world. You can't take your eyes off Tomohiro Ishii as long as he's not tag teaming with Toru Yano. I mean, you know, that was a complete waste of his time and everybody else's, and I'm glad they got away from it. But as a singles wrestler, the guy's amazing. Even as a tag team wrestler, when he tags with Yoshihashi, it's just when he's tagging with Yano is when it drags him down. But this guy's great, and you, had, you have this, this creative genius as one half of the match. You have one of the greatest, the best wrestlers in the world on the other side, and Omega very easily could have worked the match, which exemplified Ishii's strengths and just, he could have beat him down and exemplified Ishii's selling, which is where Ishii excels. But this was a Tomohiro Ishii offensive match, Rich, which is not what we see normally out of Ishii, which is not what we normally see out of Kenny to be on the other end of that. And it was still fucking great. And a match of the year contender and a classic. It was a classic match. And I'll tell you what they've done. That was, that's so smart what they're doing. It's been a four-step process, and I'm going to point out the four steps for you, Rich. What they're doing with this one-winged angel, they've got this move over as the most dangerous move in wrestling, and they've done it without him hitting the move in a match. <laughs> right, he hasn't actually hit it. Yeah. This is brilliant. This is next-level brilliant. They've got this thing over to where you know he puts guys up in that move, and the crowd gasps. Because they know if he hits that, it's match over. But he hasn't even hit it. And they've gotten – and it's been a – in a match anyway. It's been a four-step process, and I'm going to give you the four steps, Rich. The first step is when he hit Okada with the one-winged angel 
in the build to Wrestle Kingdom. Remember, he laid out Okada. He put yeah. him through a table. That established the move as if I hit this move on Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, I'm winning the title. Step two was Wrestle Kingdom, where he couldn't hit it. And he ended up losing the match, despite the fact that he gave Okada was able to come back and defeat him because he couldn't hit it. Step three was hitting it on Yoshihashi in that tag match on the first night of the New Japan Cup. And I don't know if you watched it, because a lot of people blew off the undercard. But there was something key that happened there. First of all, Yoshihashi has been scoring falls for months in tag matches. And again, I don't think that was an accident. In this match, Okada pins Yoshihashi. But he doesn't just pin him. He hits him with the one-winged angel. Okay? He hits him with it. And Yoshihashi, you know normally a guy in New Japan, he gets hit with a finisher. He takes the pin. The young boys jump in with the ice packs and everything. And, you know, they, they... But this was different. Yoshihashi sold that move. Like, like, people on Twitter in real time thought he may have been injured because of the way he was going so over the top to sell. People were like, whoa, did he get hurt? And, and the way that the New Japan production was and focused on him, you know, dead in the ring, taking this move. Then we have this Ishii match. Again, he can't hit the one-winged angel, and he loses. So in the Ishii match and the Okada match, they've put over the idea that if he ever does hit this thing, whoever he hits it, they're building to a moment with this match. I don't know if he's going to hit it on Okada and win the title. I don't know if he's going to hit it on Okada and Okada's going to kick out, which will be a tremendous moment as well. But there's going to be a huge moment with this move, and they've gotten it over largely by him not using it in a singles match, <laughs> which is, which is amazing. amazing and so brilliant and clever and smart. And this is the stuff I talk about when I tell you, when I tell people how well-booked this company is, this is the stuff that matters. This stuff. Not Bushi's 10-day fucking junior title reign. Doesn't matter. Not the tag team booking that we complain about all the time. Doesn't matter. Not the fact that they haven't done anything with Willow Spread. I wrote a, a, a fucking essay on it in one of my. Doesn't matter to the big The big picture stuff, this company nails it. And this is another example. This is brilliant stuff because they're building to a moment with this move. And I don't know what that moment's going to be. And I'm glad that I don't have it figured out because he's going to hit that move probably on Okada. And that moment is going to be huge. Whether Okada kicks out at 2.9 or whether Omega uses that move to put him away. This is the stuff that... And this is the stuff that this company does well. The long-term, big-picture stuff. And that's why his company grows. That's why his company sells out all their major big shows. This is, this is why. It's not the little stuff that we all nitpick. Us too, Rich. We do it. No, we because no, no booker's perfect. And no company is booking... And this company is far from perfect. But the big... This is why I tell you that this guy's such a brilliant booker. And this is why I tell you that this company is so well-booked, because the big-picture stuff, they always nail it. When it comes to creating stars long-term, yeah, it takes them a long time to get there. Yeah, they're patient, sometimes to a fault, because you're like, just pull the trigger already. But when it comes to creating stars, and when it comes to, to, to creating money-drawing stars, and when it comes to long-term stories like this, my God, Rich, this is why I'm into this company more than any other company. Because they do it right. And it's, it's just great stuff. It's just, it, it, I can't wait. I'm so intrigued by where they're going with this one-winged angel stuff. So yeah, and that's just a whole added element to this match. That, that Ishii was able to avoid it and able to win. And now the question is, can Kenny win without this thing? Because he hasn't proven that he can. 
I think one of the things too that, that, that you know, we mentioned the credit to go to Gato for booking a lot of this stuff or whatever. But I think another credit too is that they give the performers a lot of them, which are, are you know elite level performers, and give them the opportunity to to to, to spread their wings a little bit and do what they want to do. Because I'm I'm confident that Kenny Omega it probably goes or, or talks to Gato. I'm sure it's not Gato saying, "Okay, Kenny, here's everything I want you to do." And Kenny going, "Okay." I'm sure Omega has the latitude or whatever the ability to to, to go to Gato to go whoever and say, "Hey, here's something I want to do," and and then is given that freedom to say, "Okay, yeah, yeah, One we'll do that." Or like, thousand percent and that and that's huge and getting out of great performers way is part of the job mm-hmm. and and i don't doubt that at all you have a creative mind like kenny omega and he's one of your top stars you listen to that guy you defer to a guy like that and for, you recognize that and you let it and we see in other companies where guys we just talked about ring of honor these guys are frustrated creatively Look at WWE where guys get frustrated because they have they they they're just they're just fucking puppets. When you have people that are this smart and this creative, you get the fuck out of the way. Sometimes you make an excellent point. I'm, I I am so this is just great. You watch this, and this is why stuff the top level stuff in this company connects with me on a level that other wrestling just doesn't because it's just it's it's deeper and it's smarter. And and you know and it gets you into it. It gets you hopping off your couch, making sounds that you didn't know you were capable of. All right. Um, anything on the New Japan Cup? Otherwise, we had that match. Uh, little little results for right now. Where we're at uh, March fifteenth. Here we have uh, round one. Um, of course, Evil beat uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yuji Nagata beat Tonga Rao. Uh, Bad Luck Folly beat Michael Elgin. Toru Yano defeated Tama Tonga. We'll stay in that little bracket right now. Round two, Evil versus Yuji Nagata. Evil moved on. And then Bad Luck Folly versus Toru Yano. Bad Luck Folly moved on. So the semifinals, uh, which kick off March 19th, uh, you have Evil versus Bad Luck Folly. On the bottom half of the bracket, you have Shibata, who defeated Suzuki. Did you want to talk about that match okay. at all? I don't really have a lot of strong Shibata Suzuki, so. I thought, was not good. I, I, I thought they worked hard. I thought Shibata... Um, took a beating. Um, I thought they, they had a plan. They had an idea. It didn't deliver. It was very disappointing. In fact, in my review, I called that possibly the most disappointing match that I can recall since Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero at One Night Stand 2005, which was a, another massive disappointment of a match because Eddie Guerrero was annoyed that he was losing and he was annoyed uh, about a bunch of things coming into that match. And if you watch that match on your WWE Network, you can see that Eddie Guerrero is not pleased to be there. Um, and he just didn't feel like working hard that night. Uh, so that match was very disappointing. I don't know if I've watched a match that was as disappointing as that match, which I, which everyone was hyped up for at the time. They thought it was going to be the match of the night, obviously. Um, as this Shibata-Suzuki match, which I think everyone, again, was jacked up for this match. Now, a lot of people liked it. But a lot of people, uh, you know, are look, I just didn't think it had any juice. I thought the finish was flat. Um, it just didn't work for me. I gave it a very generous three stars. And if, if it wasn't as stiff as it was, I would have given it – this was a two-star special. But I bumped it up a little because the work was stiff, and I appreciate that when people put their bodies on the line and all those things. Um, but, but you know, not that anyone gives a shit about my stars, but I, I, only, I only bring up this point because – I legitimately thought this was like a two-star special aside from the stiff work. Um, that's how much it disappointed me. Um, what did you think? 
Yeah, it just never got going, really. I, and that's one of the things that, that I got. It was one of those, and I, and I respect the style, and I enjoy what they try to do with this match, but it's just not something that I'm really all that attracted to or all, I really like all that much because it, it was you know stiff. There was chops. It was kind of a showman of, of who's, you know, who's better at you know this sort of stiffer wrestling style or whatever, who's better at the chops, who's better at the, the kicks and all this. And it was going on, and it's going on, and it's going on. You know, we're 19 minutes into the match, and then it's just kind of over, and I was just like, okay. Very yeah, flat it's, finish. It's like, How flat It just never, just yeah, never... it just never seemed to, it was always at like, like a six the entire match and it's like all right cool, there was cool, no cool, cool. You, then... you nailed it there was no next gear it didn't build to a crescendo there was no peak um it just ended out of nowhere and i didn't even think it was a good example of that style of match honestly no it was the worst of minoru suzuki and 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 shibata kind of fell to that very trap flat a very it, flat it yeah. was like it was almost minoru suzuki doing his noah main event routine uh mm. you know it, it we're just it just it goes see, look it didn't go 40 minutes thankfully but I just didn't think it was very good. In fact, this entire tournament hasn't been good with the exception no. of... <laughs> That's why we're not going to talk well, about it. Well, the only other it. match I thought was... Look, I thought Tanahashi Evil was very good. Um, I didn't think it was anywhere close to um, Omega uh, Ishii. Um, but, I, you know, I did think that match did deliver. Um, that that was very good. But and, and, and I was surprised because Evil just continues to dominate Tanahashi. And... Um, he dominated them in the build and they dominated them in the match. And I thought it was a really clever match because the fans were so into Tanahashi's comeback that never came very smart match from that perspective. And then evil ended up just beating him anyway. And Tanahashi never, everyone was expecting Tanahashi to make the big comeback at the end and probably win it with the high fly flow. And it never happened. I thought that was, yeah, I, I mean, I thought he was going to the finals or right? I thought at least the semifinals Tanahashi. So I was shocked that he, that evil won. And if you look at our, our uh, new Japan cup pick and not many people picked evil to win this match. So not many people picked evil to be in the semifinals. So he's definitely been uh, a little bit of an upset there. Just as far a, as the bottom, smart, oh, go ahead. a smart match and a different kind of new Japan map because you know, the comeback never came, you know, it, it was just cut off at every turn and evil just fucking beat him with the STO center of the ring. Um, you know, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, the rest of the matches in this tournament, the the Nagata Evil match is a match that people said they enjoyed. I thought that was average as fuck. I didn't like that match at all. In fact, I like the Bad Luck Fale win over Yano better, which is strange. Um, it was a typical Yano match, but I was I was more entertained by that match than I was by Nagata Evil. But yeah, you're talking about the other side of the bracket now, so go ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just kind of going through because yeah, there's I mean, there's really not a lot. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are going to chime in, you know, or definitely jump in at the semifinals and the final, which which you actually should do because those will deliver. Listen, but New yeah. Japan Cup, I talk about this all the time. It always mm-hmm. I'm never a big fan of this and. It just, and they fuck around with the booking too, because people look at the potential. Oh my god, we get this guy versus this guy, and that guy. And we talked about it last week. Oh my god, the possibilities, yeah. and it's like very, very rarely do you get any of those dream matches that you think you're going to get. You think you're going to get, you know, Ishii and Shibata, maybe you will. You think you're going to get, you know, Tanahashi versus Bad Luck Fale or Tanahashi versus Elliot. You're like you're never, you very, very, very rarely. get They're those, not burning those. those matches on this tournament, no. especially when the final sold out of in 